the blast from our past network. This is Zach and Corey with Podcasting After Dark, and this is Tom Holland, writer, director of Friday Night Child's Play, Psycho 2, whatever, a few more, and I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoy doing it. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Trading Places, starring Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, and Jamie Lee Curtis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm Zach. <laughs> I know. It took me a minute to get that reference, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's maybe one of the best scenes in the movie. <laughs> Dude, that's my, that's my Winthorpe growl. Of course it is. I, I will, I'm sure we'll talk more about it then, but that is my favorite scene in the movie. I posted it on my Instagram page. Hey, Winthorpe! <laughs> I think that's I your spirit be- animal for about five years ago. Five years ago, hey. that would, would have been your spirit animal. I told my wife when we were watching this movie that uh, when I was at my lowest, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, specifically the episode where Mac and Dennis go to the suburbs and Dennis go, they both go insane and, and Dennis is just a monster. That was my spirit animal for a while. But I do think if I if I watched this movie then, it would have been Winthorpe, you know, in the Santa Claus costume would have been my profile picture for about two years on Facebook. Yeah. I, I, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. You're like knowing you, knowing uh, what you went through a couple years ago. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I was, I mean, bro, I wasn't with you day by day, but definitely. Yeah. yeah guaranteed. Dark, dark so, times. There you go. Dark times, bro. Dark times. Dark times. But you know, what's not dark times? Fucking trading places, bro. Dude, I I think this movie is as relevant today, maybe more so than it was 32 years ago or 37 years ago yeah it came out 83 right yeah it's 83 yep exactly 37 years ago wow (laughs) seriously wow and you're right man this movie i mean it has some cultural things in it there you know yes dan Aykroyd is in blackface later in the movie um but it does feel relevant man what they're trying to say this whole entire movie is a satire on you know the upper the extreme upper class versus you know the lower class and everything but uh man oh man is it is it fun and is it funny yes is it fun yes is it uh, a little bit problematic a couple of times yeah probably in, in under the lens of 2020 but man what it's trying to say though is couldn't be more relevant than it is now Totally. You got it. At the end of the day, you got uh, any movie that's uh, pre woke era. I can't believe I just said that, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you got it. You got to let it go, man. You got to let go of the shortcomings. You can't bash shit from back in the day that that wasn't wasn't uh, thinking about what we're thinking about now. You know, so exactly. Yeah. Think about the context of the time. You know, think about what was going on back then. And think about the relevance then versus now. And if it was remade now, yeah, major, maybe it would be some different. changes. But fuck it, man. Like, who gives a shit? This is, I don't care. It's funny. 
I would say that that it had to go extreme in order for it to push the message along. Yeah, you know, of course. and and I was telling Myra at the beginning of the movie. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it in, in some parts and everything. But you know, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it it had to it had to go like sort of big and sort of like not broad in its comedy, but it had to like go extreme in order for it to kind of push the message along. And uh, I, th- I think it did a great job, but we'll, we'll obviously get into that. This is a full review and breakdown like we normally do. But before we jump into it, since I picked the movie, this one's mine. Zach, you tell me what your experience is with Trading Places. Well, 1983, I was seven years old. Um, I think this movie probably came out on VHS a year later. So I'm going to say 84. I saw this movie when I was seven or eight years old with my homeboy, my brother, Eric. (laughs) And same deal, man. Like, oh, this is a really funny movie. Totally inappropriate for an eight-year-old kid. Uh, And i that's the first time I saw it. Laughed my ass off because, again, not appropriate for an eight-year-old kid. (laughs) (laughs) But, dude, I watched this movie incessantly. Uh, if I hadn't owned it, I probably rented it from the video store multiple times. Well, my mom did or my brother did, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's my experience with it. I mean, I've, I've seen this movie 20 times at least, at least in the past 37 years. (laughs) How about you? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Yeah, dude, like we're old, whatever. (laughs) I think our listeners are probably around our, our age group anyways. That's Um, why I said we're, we're old. We're all old, <laughs> Yeah, we're all of us. We're that generation we're that w- when we were kids, we were like, oh, oh my God, 40's so old. Now we're 40. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, man. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. Oh, it's all, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Rah. <laughs> 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 Fucking love that scene, man. <laughs> Oh, bop, dude, bop. yeah, bop, bop. Um, yeah, dude, so <laughs> my, the reason I picked this film. Yeah, um, why? I want to know why. I am not the biggest comedy fan. I didn't grow up watching a lot of comedies. I didn't rewatch a lot of comedies. I watch a lot of sci-fi and a lot of horror. Uh, and as we know, I watch a lot of the same movies. So Zach's been actually expanding my horizon in the sci-fi and horror range. But Dude, this, stretch it. <laughs> this movie, this movie holds a, such a special place in my heart because yeah. it represents the very first time in film that I saw breasts. That I guess weren't my like my mom's breasts, right? Like because I was five years old. This movie came out in 1983. I was five years old. So I remember, and I'll tell you the scene in the movie because it's not Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs that I'm talking about. So I, I remember sure. seeing this movie in the back of a of a car because we went to a drive-in in in Virginia in Roanoke. And the first movie, I don't remember what it was, but looking back on 1983, maybe it was Return of the Jedi um, that we went to because you know, like drive-ins, they would show more of the the all age movie first, and then they would show more of like the rated R movie like around 10 o'clock at night for the adults yep. and the kids could go back asleep in the back i woke up right during the party scene you know that's about what 30 minutes into the film i woke up right during the song yep the disco song and everything and i woke up just to see that young lady with the terrible haircut beautiful lady but terrible haircut uh doing the the strip tease thing and, and and flashing her breasts and i was like i woke up i was like oh 
ah, okay. Like, you know, you, like, you, know, I don't, you don't have to formulate something at five, but it was exciting. You saw it, and then I fell back asleep because I was freaking five years old, and I was probably, like, you know, full on popcorn and candy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that scene will forever be burned into my mind and burned into my retina. Now, wow. moving forward, I watched the scene. I watched the movie, you know, multiple times growing up, but it wasn't, like, one of my main ones. And because I didn't really – I didn't start really loving comedies, weirdly enough, until I started smoking weed. And then once I started smoking more regularly, comedies kind of came back into my rotation more heavily. So so I probably watched this movie more, you know, in, in later in life than I did earlier in life. Although yeah. whenever it popped up on cable, uh, I would get excited because I knew there was nudity in it. Um, if it was on HBO or something or Cinemax, <laughs> right? You know, something at night, it'd be great. But um, but yeah, but it's specifically for that one scene and how I guess is important it was to my development. I don't know. It's just burned into my mind, bro. Well, it's it's we'll get to it, obviously, but it's an <laughs> odd scene. I'm just like. Okay, cool. Chicks did that at parties back in the day? Well, yeah, I know. And and I think I pretty much slept through the entire movie. I just woke up and saw that one thing, and then, or should I say those two things, and then just pretty much went right <laughs> back to bed. Well, I didn't know. I had a feeling once you said, other than Jamie Lee Curtis, what you were going for. But uh, if you would have said Jamie Lee Curtis, I would have, I would have applauded you. So, well, I, I mean, did. That was probably um, I... my first experience as well seeing nudity on screen because i was oh okay. again seven or eight years old jesus christ <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> thanks mom for me thanks dad um although i, I will say this uh watching it with Myra the first time, and then she kind of sat through. Uh, she was like, you know, on her phone while I was kind of uh, breaking it down and pausing it and stuff. But um, you know, she she very much enjoyed it. She really had a good time with it. But her her takeaway was, you know, boy oh boy, is uh, does Jamie Lee Curtis have great pair of boobs? <laughs> I'm gonna save my comments until we get to that scene. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to take us through some of the uh, the cast and everything? I know of it was. I do. Uh, I know you do. And it was, let's start it off by saying it was directed by John Landis, who we all know from American Werewolf in London and a bunch of yep. other shit that we all know. I mean, John Landis is, is he's uh, iconic, you know? Yeah. Um, the Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London. Yeah. I mean, the, the list goes, you can go up and down his resume. Franklin and Bash. I'm just kidding. He actually did direct an episode of Franklin and Bash. <laughs> The Disney 35th anniversary show. special. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, yeah. uh, Animal House, Kentucky Fried Movie, Schlock, he, Into the Night, which is a very underrated film. And if you haven't seen it, I, well, you can't buy it from Scream Factory anymore because they had their stupid, like, uh, discontinue sale. Uh, yeah. But I highly recommend you check it out. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, John he didn't Lannis. do Top Secret, did he? He did not. The Zucker, okay. the Zucker brothers did that. The same guys who okay. did Airplane. Okay. Um, yeah, but and yeah, I John- personally, I personally love Spies Like Us. I, I, I honestly, the weird thing is, I probably watched that more growing up than I did uh, this, and probably like Vacation and stuff. But again, I had to put this one on the record books just for that one particular scene and how well, it made me a man at five. <laughs> I think, I think too, though the difference. Be- I think Spies Like Us is PG, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. 
Uh, and I, it didn't have nudity in it. Wasn't one of the blonde Russians, or was she just in her underwear? I, I feel like been in her, well, but yeah. then again, PG back in the day was a little bit more loosey goosey than it is now. Well, let's look at just one of the guys, <laughs> PG thirteen. Yep. That's woo. Uh, anyways, uh, Doc yeah, Hollywood. This, yes, exactly. This definitely <laughs> pushes the R uh, button. It's got it's got it doesn't have any sex in it, but it's got nudity and 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 the and then you know obviously the language, but um, you know whatever. John Landis, though, is, yeah, the guy is, he's an icon of comedy, and, uh, and he's a film lover, you know, so he's, he's an icon, he's a legend. Um, and then, yeah, the, the writers were Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrad. I don't really know what they, whatever, <laughs> I, I mean, they wrote Twins and <laughs> Astro Boy. Um, Good old Twins. <laughs> I love twins, man. I love me some twins. <laughs> I do um, too. I do too. <laughs> sorry, you know. Oh, they wrote yeah, and Kindergarten Cop. Uh, yeah. So there you go. And I love Kindergarten yeah. Cop. But yeah, obviously the cast. You know, we're, we'll 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 hit over some and be like, well, you know who that is. So we don't even really need to go into it. But uh, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd. Like, <laughs> what, what do we have to say? You guys know exactly who they are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then you know, the rounding out the kind of main cast. Uh, Don Amici, who plays Mortimer Duke, one of the Duke brothers. Mm-hmm. Don Amici. I mean, you got You know who Don Amici is. It's like, yep. Say no more. Ralph Bellamy, uh, who plays Randolph Duke, the other brother of the Dukes. Dukes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, he's an, another legendary actor. He's been in everything from 1940s movies to 1990s movies. You yep, know, the Pretty His Woman. Girl Friday, yep. to Pretty Woman. And then going down the rest of the cast. Kristen Holby, who plays Penelope Witherspoon. <laughs> and uh, it's obviously Dan Aykroyd's love interest in the movie. I, I mean, you look up her, her IMDb, she's in two movies. She's in Trading Places, and she's in Manhunter. And right. uh, and in Manhunter, she is in it for a millisecond, but she has a very pivotal role. She plays Mrs. Jacoby. And for those people who haven't seen Manhunter, what is wrong with you? Go out and watch it now. Uh, and Mrs. Jacoby factors into the Jacoby murders are one of the principal things in the film. Um, and then, but she has a, a very important role in the movie. Paul Gleason, who we all know and love from Breakfast Club, obviously. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's the principal in that. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's that's like that's his jam and Die Hard too. I mean, first Die Hard, uh, he's yeah, of awesome. course. But but fucking Bleaks, uh, I'm sorry, not Bleaks, Beaks, uh, fucking Clarence Beaks. Yeah, I yes. love him. Hold on a second. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh man, I wrote down some of those lines in the movie. Uh, oh, yeah, dude, very I love important Beaks, role. Man. Very important role. Likewise, dude. Likewise. And then Jamie Lee Curtis plays Ophelia. Yep. She is a uh, a woman of the night, if you will. If you don't know who Jamie Lee Curtis is, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who Jamie Lee Curtis come on, is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come uh, on. And then, and then just as we go scene by scene, I'm sure I'll drop in these names because it's more like cameos, you know? Yeah, the dad from 90210 is in it. The uncle from Dude, New Kids yes. is in it. It's yes. like a who's who of, of everything. So yes. it's probably easier just to talk about them as they sort of pop up. Yes, but the last person I'll mention is Denholm Elliott, who plays Coleman. So, okay, really quick. 
Dan Aykroyd plays Louis Winthrop III, and Eddie Murphy plays Billy Ray Valentine. I love that name, by the way. Billy Ray Valentine. So do I. <laughs> Such a great yeah. name, dude. Uh, Billy Ray Valentine. Anybody named Billy Ray that is not a country singer uh, rules in my book. But uh, if you don't know who Denholm Elliott is, well, first of all, he was in a film called A Room with a View, which is a very uh, classic art house film. It's very beautiful. But he's in Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as Marcus Brody. Yep. Um, I mean, iconic, dude. I, I, an iconic, like, supporting actor. Yeah. And, and, and watching this. watching this movie, I, for some reason, brain farted, didn't really put it together. But the whole time I'm watching it twice, I'm like, man, I love Coleman. Like, I just, I feel connected to him. I think he's a great character. And, of course, that's how, you know, they do it. it it's on purpose, right? But yes. when I was looking on IMDb before we were getting prepped and everything, I was like, Oh, fuck, he's Marcus Brody. That's why I fucking love him. And uh, Myra and I just did, we've been doing, like, trilogies lately, just kind of going to sleep to him and stuff, and we did uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy about a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, he was already fresh in my mind, but I, I just didn't put it together. But, man, again, I love Coleman, dude. He's a great character. This movie is honestly chock full of really awesome characters and some pretty despicable ones. Yes, hats off to the writers for, for really creating a, a script that everybody has like an arc almost every major character in this movie has an arc which is really really cool uh and we'll get all into that later but that's the cast i mean that the, the, and again yeah we'll go up and down as they pop into the scenes either you'll notice it or i'll notice it i i was i was curious i even wrote this down i'm like i wonder if I wonder if Corey's going to recognize that guy i wonder if Corey's going to recognize this guy and the fact that you said the dad from 90210 i was like oh that's awesome so there you go yeah and and i also recognize somebody from day of the dead at the very end too so we'll get to oh, that nice. as well nice. yes okay. dude that yes. this movie's crazy man it's a who's who of the 80s it's a who's who of former podcasting after dark film actors as well so. <laughs> perfect it's perfect so yeah, i mean it's, yeah, it's i honestly dude i mean and I, I let's really quick obviously let's address the fact that you know we we know we are a cult movie podcast. This is a bit more mainstream than we normally go. You obviously you I just told you why we're doing it so that you know it's a very personal movie to me. But if it wasn't so mainstream, like it's it's a perfect pad movie, right? It's a, it's a, it's got it's nudity, it's got drugs, it's it's got it's funny as hell. <laughs> it's a perfect pad movie, but it's definitely more mainstream than we kind of tend to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like you said it's got Angel does PCP. Ah. <laughs> and it's got <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and also, uh, for full disclosure, we also want to branch out on movies that, that may be outside of slightly ajar to the cult status, uh, but are also really fun to review. So yeah, there you go. Exactly. As long as we have fun, sure. and as long as you guys have fun, that's all that matters. I think, and if you don't, fuck off. <laughs> That's, that's gonna be our, our running gag. Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, because every time <laughs> I was like, "What's our what's our phrase gonna be for this one?" Fuck off. It's it's fuck off and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking love man. beaks, bro. I love beaks so much. <laughs> All right, guys, you want to jump into this, buddy boy? Let's do it. Let's do this. Most absurd nightmare. 
I was poor and no one liked me. I know what you're thinking. You see Paul getting bad? We can make it, baby! Me and you! Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy are trading places. Help! Help! Hey, I don't want your bag, man. Help! 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 I'll bet that that man could run our company as well as your young Woodthorpe. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph? Is there a problem, officer? Oh, Winthorpe. I'm glad your parents are not alive to see this. What the what? Wait, now this is totally preposterous. I'm not a thief. Here we are, William. Take off your clothes. You are making a career decision here. Take off your clothes. Did you hear what this man said to me? Now, I have witnesses. This man is physically threatening me. Hey, Randy, Morty, this is nice. I like this. We are commodities brokers, William. Commodities are agricultural products, like wheat, which is used to make bread, pork bellies, which is used to make bacon, which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. I'm considering going long on April wheat. What do you think, Valentine? Slime ball. Moi? Put that gun away at once, Winthorpe. You lost your mind. Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. They're not just getting rich, they're getting even. Do you have any better ideas? Yeah, you know, it occurs to me that the best way you hurt rich people is by turning them into poor people. Dan Aykroyd. Eddie Murphy. Ralph Bellamy. We've got to get Wilson and turn up the sale. Donna Michi. Randolph, this isn't Monopoly money we're playing with. Denim Elliott. What a scumbag. And Jamie Lee Curtis. By the way, food and rent, not the only things around here that cost money. You sleep on the couch. Trading places. Some very funny business. All righty. So, you know what I love, dude, in a movie like this? I love when credits are over, like, a city shot and how they they cut back and forth to, like, all just kind of city stuff. The hustle and bustle of the morning. And we yeah. get, like, all over Philly. Um, you know, really some iconic shots. We get a shot of the Rocky statue, uh, although it's not where it is now because they moved it. If you notice that, it's, like, a, it's in a different spot in here. They um, moved it three times. Three times. Oh, no shit. Okay. Because um, now it's on, top, yeah. at the top of the stairs, right? Um, no, it's actually that that's the second time. So it was there. Uh, so where where they show it in the movie, I think that's where it was. Then they moved it to the stairs and now it's down at the base of the stairs um, oh. where homeless dudes uh, say, oh, give me five bucks and I'll take your picture. And I and, yeah, and then they say, well, no, I'm good at doing a selfie. No, give me five bucks and I'll take your picture. And I go, oh, here's five bucks. Don't take my camera. <laughs> And then take a take a cue from Beaks and say fuck off. 
<laughs> but I do like this. I love I love seeing the city, and I'm starting to realize that one of my favorite things in these movies that we're watching, like The Exterminator, it's really cool to have these little time capsule moments of seeing yeah. what Philadelphia looked like in 1983. Uh, I mean, and even at the end, we see the damn Twin Towers, you know? So I like this kind of stuff. I liked uh, in, in, ex, uh, in The Exterminator seeing, like, 1980 New York and everything. It's really fucking cool, dude, to kind of go into these time capsule movies, you know? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Bop, bop. So, uh, <laughs> and bop, bop. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, but during the credits and, and kind of leading up to everything, what we're basically, what I've noted uh, the second time seeing is that we're basically seeing everyone's mourning uh, from lower class to middle class to upper middle, which is probably Winthorpe, and then to the yep. filthy rich. And this whole entire opening sequence takes you basically up an elevator, and it gives you the juxtaposition of of how everyone sort of acts in in the morning. You know, uh, all the kids are playing outside in the lower income area, and you know, and and for Winthorpe's case, you know, we basically we get shots of like Coleman, uh, you know, making making breakfast, you know, get, uh, picking the the paper off of the stoop and everything. Thing, bringing he eventually brings the breakfast upstairs and then we kind of get a shot of like him shaving Winthorpe in his own like sort of private you know uh, uh, bar- barber parlor thing in his bathroom I mean like how yeah. fucking big is that row house that expensive ass row house <laughs> it's crazy and, and, and just to just to interrupt you really quick before we uh before I forget or or I'm Elmer Bernstein did the music to this movie that got flashed on the screen. And I remember when it flashed on the screen, I'm like, holy shit, he's like kind of a big deal. No, he's a really big deal. Elmer Bernstein has done like, or Bernstein. uh, Well, he worked a ton with John Landis, but uh, just, if you look up his resume, it's everywhere. Heavy metal spies like us. Ghostbusters, uh, you know, like the the list goes on. I was going to say, I know him more specifically from Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was just a little fun little, little thing there, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And good call. We should definitely call that out because the, the soundtrack is, is great in this movie. I mean, yes. honestly, everything is, is fantastic in this movie. Guys, you don't even listen, need to listen to the, any more of the review. Just go watch the movie. No, I'm just kidding. Please <laughs> listen to the review. It's, it'll be fun us, and it'll be funny. <laughs> and then follow us and review us on, you know, yeah, exactly. sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> Pop up, pop up, fuck off, off. <laughs> <laughs> guys. We love you. <laughs> we love you guys. I'm being jo- I'm joking. Uh, I'm being joking. I'm being joking. Um. So we see uh, at some. Uh, there is one little bit of dialogue in this whole beginning thing. Uh, Winthorpe is looking at the paper and he goes, uh, he says something like, I, I think something exciting will happen with pork bellies today. And we already, that's going to be the, the theme throughout the entire film is pork bellies. Everything is going to sort of revolve around <laughs> pork, pork bellies. bellies. And, yep. uh, and those are used for bacon, you know, on a, on a bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwich. <laughs> I, I paused to look at the camera like Eddie Murphy does. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, we also find out that uh, uh, Coleman asks if Penelope will be joining for dinner today. And uh, Winthorpe says yes. Uh, and then we see Coleman uh, basically uh, drives Winthorpe over to Duke and Duke. Now, I just want to note real quick before we start getting into, like, you know, Duke and Duke and everything. Um, you already can tell, like... So they had to walk a tight rope with Winthorpe because he is the sort of the hero of the movie, as is Eddie Murphy. 
but he has to have an arc. Like, he has to grow. So yeah. so you can't make him a complete dick to Coleman, you know what I mean? But he also can't be as good to Coleman as Valentine will be eventually. And I thought they did a good job of, you know, when Thorpe here, you know, yes, he he doesn't kind of look at Coleman in the eyes, but he sort of does. He, he treats him in that sort of middle zone, you know? But he never goes too assholey, I don't think. He's just he's just uppity and and pompous. He's not an I, asshole you know what I, per se. He's just like a he's just an he, he's a buffoon. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I would say that that he acts like someone who he's not an asshole. He just was probably went to a prep school, raised you know that way, and it's just kind of how he was probably just raised and everything. But yeah. I don't know. I, I just I, I thought they did a good job because you know Winthrop has to fall. He has to you know be a jerk at the beginning so he can rise back up. But you can't make him that much of a jerk. That's the thing. And that, what I guess what I'm trying to say is they did a good job of sort of walking that line, basically. Yep, I agree. You know, you also notice it, too, when he gets to Duke and Duke and he's walking through the lobby and everybody is saying hi to him and everything. I notice that he's, he doesn't look at anybody in the eyes. And, you know, he just kind of says, good morning, good morning, just keeps walking by every, everyone. But that being said, the second time I watched it, I, you know, first time I was like, oh, look at him. He's kind of a jerk, you know, because he's not saying hi to people or, like, be nice about it. Then I realized, like, 30 people said hi to him. If he took the time to, like, say hi to everybody, it would have taken him an hour to get to his office, truthfully. Fair enough. <laughs> You're I, like, I, he could look you in the eye, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, fair enough. He's he's still kind of a he's a dickhead. No, I mean you're right. It's it's honestly it's a little hard for me because he will always be Doctor Raymond Stance to me, and who can do no wrong, you know? So I, I have a hard separate. time thinking. I know of Dan Aykroyd as an asshole, you know? <laughs> yeah, he he's 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 jerk off. He's and he gets he gets what he needs. He gets what, he's not he a does. druggie though. He he's not he's not a druggie, and he's not singing campy college songs to to girls. <laughs> at the polo club or whatever tennis club squash club. Oh yeah. Whatever. Oh, you mean the uh, the quartet or whatever? Yeah, yeah. the barbershop he, tour he's, quartet. He's like on on a scale of one to five, five being the biggest douchebag, one being not a big douchebag. He's probably uh, about a three. About a three. yeah, yeah, three point five. I'll give you, I'll 3. give you three point five on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I retract everything I just said and fuck Winthorpe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so he gets to his office, beautiful fucking office, very brown, a lot of wood in there. And uh, it's uh, it's got a fireplace and everything. Yeah, I love the fireplace. And then there's like the big picture of uh, his his girl on the on the, on his count on his desk or whatever, like eight by ten headshot, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Giant no. picture of her. Just staring at him. Look at it's me. Not, it's not luck, Todd. Um, but uh, so so, and he and he sees in the paper that he was right about pork bellies. So we already know that Winthorpe, he's good at what he does. He's not a he's not a dummy, but he might be a douche. So, yes. <laughs> um, so now we actually get to see how the extremely rich uh, wake up in the morning and go to work. And uh, we're at the Duke estate with uh, Randolph and Mortimer Duke. They are these two brothers. And, uh, I mean, right away they literally have an army of servants, like, standing out, like, waiting for them outside and everything. And uh, And as they're leaving their place, did you notice that, like, 
in at the beginning with all the lower income people the snow that was there is all gross and brown and everything and then you come here and like the snow is pristine and white and it's i was like <laughs> yeah. man they're just they're hammering it home and i gotta imagine they didn't really have to try hard they just took pictures and there it is it just comes yeah. out you know yeah inner city versus the countryside major yeah. difference major difference and i mean that's what this movie is all about um so the the in the car uh and they're lo- like they're rolls royce with like a tv and everything in it uh or some kind of like dos uh <laughs> stock tracker or something yeah. uh is in there and the duke brothers are kind of bickering over uh this hereditary versus environment uh conversation which i guess was kind of big in the early 80s um someone i think just won a pulitzer over it it's like they really, like, I guess science really wanted to dive into our people the way they are because of nature versus nurture. And I, I think this movie was a little bit of a, a finger on the pulse of what was going on in the zeitgeist at the time. Aside from the social satire, I mean the the whole like conversation about nature versus nurture. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. It this is when we finally started like examining who we are as people, <laughs> and like <Yeah>. actually <laughs> digging a little bit deeper instead of thinking, oh, yeah, we, you know. What makes us we are what we are. Like, no, let's a little let's let's go do some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's all as as a species go Please. to therapy. So um yeah. So uh Mortimer is the one that's more money driven, whereas Randolph is is the one that's more interested in this whole uh, uh question. He's and because Mortimer doesn't care about it. He's interested in what the pork bellies are doing. Yes. And um so so by the way, by the way. Watching it twice, I still don't know if I get everything as far as the stock stuff goes. You know, um, yeah. I'm just like with the King of New York episode. I, I was telling my wife, I was like, I kind of don't understand what what they did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will say watching it a second time and breaking it down, I had a better understanding. But I'm not like I'm not good when it comes to like stocks. Buy low, sell high. That's all I know. Yeah, a lot of this stuff went over my head too, and I'm like. Well, whatever. I, it's probably the the point. It's, we're not supposed to necessarily understand it, other than the motivation that these two guys are world class assholes. Right. Exactly. And, and, and in this scene, and and they're massively racist. And in this scene, like Mortimer, he basically wants to sell the pork bellies. I guess the, his stock at uh, uh, seven. I think seven fifty a quarter, seventy five a quarter, something like that. Um, but uh, uh, or like when the stock was at around seventy five. And uh, but Winthor, I'm sorry, uh, Winthorpe thinks that it's going to go to seventy six. So Randolph says, "Let's just wait and see," you know. And and Mortimer's getting all like frantic about it, but then the market closes at 76 and uh randolph does the little math and everything and he says look at this uh, um winthorpe made us an extra like uh three hundred fifty thousand dollars." like and i was like jesus christ like and like just you know the difference between selling in one second and selling 30 seconds later was the difference of like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. that's crazy to me yeah i the only stocks i know about were from um the movie Quicksilver when uh, okay. Kevin Bacon was a stock broker and lost everything. And then he goes, then he gets it all back at the end or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, got man. To. It's, 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 but it's interesting that it was so intense back then, the way wall street's portrayed later on in the movie and how relevant that is to not that long ago when we had our mm-hmm. big crash and people were jumping out the windows and all sorts of shit, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. The stock market like, stuff at the end of this is crazy. 
and then I think, wow, nothing's changed at all. Nothing's yeah. changed on that on that end. It's it's still as fr- frenetic and frantic as ever. Yeah, now, from my understanding of it, I I agree with that. Um, the Duke brothers arrive at the Heritage Club. The Duke and, boys. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, there you go, buddy. The Duke boys. Oh man, don't don't bring the Duke boys down. <laughs> Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. Making a play the only way they know how. <laughs> dude, dude, I grew up with uh, the Dukes of Hazard. My man, I fucking love Dukes of Hazard. I get it why they yeah. pulled those episodes or they blurred out the a Confederate flag. I get it, the Confederate flag. <laughs> but yep. but still, man, like that show was awesome. I love that show. I, I did too, buddy. Tom Wopat. I did too. <laughs> dude, everything. Crazy Cooter coming at you sideways. <laughs> Cooter. A guy's name is Cooter and another guy's name is Enos. Yep. Those are some guys. great names. Cooter and Enos. <laughs> if, if you're younger than 30, we ain't making this up, man. Duke's Hazard had a character named Cooter. Cooter Crazy and Cooter. Enos. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> but this is Trading Places, so this is the Duke Brothers, not the Duke Boys, not to be confused with the awesome Duke Boys. This is My the bad. piece of shit Duke Brothers. <laughs> yes, Duke Brothers. Randolph, Mortimer. R- Randy and Morte. Um, Randy so- Jackson from Jackson 5? <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, so they get to the Heritage Club. They are immediately uh, hounded, accosted by Billy Ray Valentine on his knees on this little dolly thing, which I I always – honestly, this is probably one of the first roles. It's not like – it's one of the first things. Whenever I think of Eddie Murphy – it's this. This is what yeah. I think of, you know. Yeah. And I love Billy Ray Valentine. I love how he's like, he's like, Vietnam did this to me, but I'm not bitter. I just love all <laughs> the shit that he's saying, man. He's just fucking firing off shit left and right. But of course, uh, you know, of course, he gets pushed away. And I love how he gets pushed away by the the, the African American driver of the car. And as he's rolling, he's like, Yeah, you got some, you got soul, man. You know, as he like rolls off into the snow, you know. It's like I love it. I love it. It's so great. It is. It is. Um, so in the club, we see uh, Randolph is reading about nature versus nurture in like a science magazine. And then Mortimer is reading like the Wall Street Journal and looking at, you know, like crop stocks and stuff like that. Uh, uh, an older African-American waiter uh, comes in, brings him two cups of gla- two glasses of milk. I was like, oh, Jesus, that's gross, right? Yeah. That's a, is that an old man thing, I guess. It's also an 80s thing. People don't drink milk That's, like that anymore. That is true. I, I, I can't tell true. you the last time I had whole milk, dude. And then when I did it, I was like, this is disgusting. It destroys my stomach, by the way. Yeah. I am lactose intolerant. Me too. <laughs> Almond milk, baby, all the way. All the way, baby. <laughs> uh, and uh, so Randolph says... Uh, I bet you forgot about our year bonus, Christmas bonus. You know, he's like basically, you know, and he hands he hands Ezra a five dollar bill, and I love how Ezra's like, "Oh, thank you, Mister Mister Randolph. Now I can go to the movies by myself." I love how he just fucking like, <laughs> no, like he yeah, goes, Ezra. No, he, yeah, he goes five dollars. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then fucking Mortimer says, half of that is from me. I was like, you piece of shit. <laughs> oh, Don you go back to being in Cocoon. You're so much sweeter in there. <laughs> I know, I know. Honestly, it's it's 
I always sort of, I guess, I, sometimes I have a hard time with Mortimer is because I picture him in Cocoon. And to be truthful, he kind of has nice eyes. And you know what I mean? But he does do a good job of being a dick, though. In oh, he's, such, he's perfect dick. But, uh, but yeah, like, come on, is. don't be a dick. But I always do picture him uh, from Cocoon, you know? Um, all right. So I love how uh, then Worth- Winthrop walks in and he sees his quote unquote friends. And, uh, uh, yes. you know, and he's like, oh, are you seeing Penelope tonight? And, you know, Todd's like, lucky you. And I love how Mortimer, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Winthrop so full of himself. He's like, it's not luck. Todd and then everyone's like whoa it was like such like a a rich person burn you know can we talk a little bit about those the group of his uh yes of those douchebags because one of them Harry did you recognize Harry I did is that the guy that was kind of a taller the more goonish looking one of them yes uh no no yeah. the goonish one uh is he, he I'll get to him in a second but uh the the, the kind of the very similar looking foppish one. Uh, he's from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Nicholas Guest. Oh, um, oh okay. And he's been in besides Christmas Vacation. Uh, he's I, he's also been in a like a ton of movies. Um, he's also on Riptide, which I love too. But uh, <laughs> come on, Riptide. But yeah, I think he, his biggest role that people know him from would be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He's the next door neighbor with Juliet Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say and, yeah, he's the ne- he's the the yuppie shitty next door neighbor. Yeah, and then the big guy, the big douche, uh, who just looks like he's got rosacea or something. Uh, I'm like, I know him from something. Where do I know him from? He's from Abyss, the Abyss. He's one of the. Oh. Uh, Yep, now I can picture it. I'm like, ah, that's right. That's who his that name's, is. Uh, his name's John Bedford Lloyd. And I think he had more hair in this movie than he did in The Abyss. Yeah, because pretty pretty much now he's, like, bald. But, yeah. yeah. But anyways, I just had to point that out. I'm like, oh, I know those douche, douchebags. Yeah, but stop, uh, stop at any point and point out anybody because, like we said, I mean, this movie's it's got everyone from fucking the dad from 90210 to fucking Frank Oz in it. So, yeah, we're going to be pausing every other scene because it has somebody in it, which is just crazy. Right. Like Al Franken, Al Franken, for Christ's sake. So, Giancarlo uh, that, Esposito, my friend. Uh, yes, I was going to I was gonna say that, dude. We got a little uh, King of New York uh, thing going on here, yes. too. So. This 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 uh, trading places has his DNA all over podcasting after dark. Honestly, bop, bop. honestly, it's more appropriate than I really thought it was gonna be when I when I first picked it. Oh, it's it's appropriate. It's appropriate. <laughs> it's definitely appropriate. Um, Winthorpe uh, basically goes over to talk to the Duke brothers. Uh, he has the payroll checks for them to sign. He said, "Don't forget about the big ones this time," you know. Um, yeah. and, but he also says, "Hey, there's one in here. He doesn't know who it is, and it, it's Clarence Beeks." He's like, "Who is that?" And but Randolph, like an idiot, is like, "I don't know a Clarence Beeks." But then Mortimer's like, "Shut the fuck up." So it's uh, all we all we know right now is that Clarence Beeks works for the Dukes uh, on a top secret research project. And uh, like Mortimer, like pockets that check like he takes that out. And and so we know something's going to there's something rotten in Denmark with that. We just don't know what yet. And but I do love how how, you know, even though we know earlier that Winthorpe made them a shit ton of money because he was right about the pork bellies. They still are just like, you are now dismissed, Winthorpe. And they just kind of like brush him off as he's standing there, you know, kind of looking for a little, hey, 
good job today, you know what I mean, type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a way of them keeping them down, I'd say. Yeah, they don't like anybody getting more powerful than them. Nope, never. So we cut back to outside, and I love this scene. Me too. Like, Billy Ray is, like, still on his knees. He's in, like, the park that's sort of across the street from the Heritage Club. And he's hitting on this uh, this chick. And he's like, we can make it work, baby. And he's also pretending to be blind, too. I, I should say that. And so he's doing, like, sort of the, the, the Stevie Wonder head thing, you yeah. know. And he's on his knees walking, you know, rolling around. And, of course, like, two cops come up to him. And, you know, they're like, come on, guy. What, what's going on here? But, but you know, Billy Ray's like, who's there? You know, like. He's like, I was in Vietnam, and they're like, "Oh yeah, so so are we? Where you know, where were you?" I, I wrote it down. <laughs> Because yeah, uh, he's like, oh, you know, sang bang, dang dong. I was all over the place. I was called Agent Orange. And man, I mean, this is Eddie Murphy in his prime. Yeah. He is firing on all cylinders this movie. And like, I'm watching this, and we all love Eddie Murphy, you know. And I'm just like, man, I fucking miss him. Just being in our lives, doing movies, like, like he's great. Like, when Eddie Murphy is on fire, he's fantastic. And I love, we'll see in this movie, he can go f- on a dime from comedy to, you know, sincere and, and, and serious in, like, two seconds. Yeah. He is... He's so fucking versatile, man, and it's just a shame that now whenever I think of Eddie Murphy, I think of Daddy Daycare, and it's like, no, man, it should be fucking this, man. Trading Places, he's awesome in this movie. Like... Training Places, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, that that to me is, th- those are his money roles. And then he pulled, mm-hmm. like, Chevy Chase did the same thing. Chevy Chase in the early 80s was on fire. And then suddenly, late 80s, they just got too big for them their britches and, you know, I don't know, uh, just kind of flamed out a little bit. I kind of get the sense that comedians are like, like rock rock stars, right? And, and by that I mean something like like angry rock stars. Like eventually, corn. Like what? What are you mad about anymore? Right? You're you're, you're millionaires. What, what are you mad about? Yeah. Like how, how can you? And after a while, you lose your edge. And I think comedians that happens to them sometimes too. Uh, you know, we all know that 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 Chevy Chase, you know, was doing a lot of coke in in the early '80s and stuff. And I don't know about Eddie Murphy. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I'm, sh- I'm sure he dabbled. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. But um, uh, you know, it's just like. At some point, he lost his edge. Um, but I will say, I think cocaine's a, a great drug for comedians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I don't think that that kind of energy has a shelf life that lasts more than a few years. Everybody, every major yeah. comedian you think about has has flames out. Jim Carrey yeah. did. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Robin Williams did. They all do. They all flame out after because I think it takes a certain level of energy to sustain that kind of edge yeah like like energy and like drive and and yeah. once you make it you're like well you're like fuck i can i can i can breathe now but i mean honestly breathing is not conducive to art unfortunately yeah so and sometimes i guess stick to projects that people recommend to you not projects you want to do <laughs> that's true that's true i got this great idea for a movie called golden child i like golden <laughs> child but it's shit Oh it's God! Shit. I couldn't eat porridge for a long time or oatmeal for a long time because oh, of yeah, Golden dude. Child. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I mean, I eat oatmeal now, and sometimes I look at it and I get that thought in my head. I'm like, nope, can't think about it. Nope. Got to move away from Golden Child. Charlotte Lewis, on the other hand, 
Yeah, well, there you go. So um, the cops, <laughs> they see right through his bullshit. <laughs> they basically, yes, I love they it. basically uh, uh, take off his glasses. I love how he's still doing the eye thing, you know, yeah, looking yeah. around and everything. <laughs> oh, and they're just like, fuck you. <laughs> they're just like, fuck you, man. <laughs> wait, wait, we got to go back. We got to go back a little bit because uh, when she, <laughs> when he turns down her advance, when the chick turns down his advances, <laughs> he just yells out. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus Christ! Uh, but the cops, the cops just pick them up. They both like pick them up, and I love it because the the rug falls over like from his legs like yeah. a second before his legs drop down. Yeah, <laughs> just like he's like, it's a miracle. Oh my God, you know, I can see, I can walk. You know, first Jesus, first Moses, now this. They just like he's just. <laughs> talking and talking and talking as he's like walking away and the cops the thing is the cops are just standing there completely like amused and and sort of you know watching him sort of back off and and saying everything but i I thought it was funny you know i i liked it um so back inside real quick we get a little uh discussion between the dukes um you know after winthorpe leaves and they're discussing sort of what makes winthorpe such a good person to run their company and uh mortimer says it's the genes it's good breeding like a racehorse all right so back outside billy ray's kind of like trying to make his he's like just trying to get away from the cops but then like another cop car kind of pulls up and you know it's sort of in front of him i don't know if they were really after him i think they were just kind of patrolling but uh but he's at this point billy ray is outside the front of the heritage club and yeah. uh and of course you know winthorpe is is there as well winthorpe they kind of bump into each other winthorpe drops his briefcase and then billy ray tries to give it back to him but winthorpe yeah you're right winthorpe's a huge ass fucking dick and he's just like this man's trying to steal my briefcase this man yep. here you know you're right yep. he's, he's an asshole man yeah he is so he's now then, notched up to about four no actually he's at five now he's at five now yeah so so maybe yeah maybe it was a little bit of an escalation thing but yeah he, he's definitely a five at this point because even billy ray is like uh no nah, dude i'm trying to give it he's literally trying to give it back to him yeah and uh and yeah he's he's being a complete fucking dick so so now now because well you know winthrop's making such a big deal the cops that are sort of all around you know that were already already sort of there are now coming in and uh and and the cops that were driving in the car get out of their car and billy ray runs into the heritage club with all the cops in hot pursuit and of course it's like fucking 10 cops are chasing him and all around the fucking melee it's a full-on melee you know and it's 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 ridiculous and uh so they're they're running around they finally sort of you know get him he's he hides under the table and and he kind of scoots out and then you got like he had 10 fucking guns like right in his face and i was watching this you know under the lens of 2020 and you're like okay all all right. Yep. You know, this is how things are now and in the eighties, I guess. Yeah. You, you, and this is, these are the moments when you have to detach yourself from what's going on now versus contextually what's going on back then. It's hard. Exactly. I get it. I, I like, I don't get it and I get it. You know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. uh, it's a funny moment where, what does he say? He's like, you know what's the problem officers <laughs> yeah he's got like literally you know t- 10 pistols pointing at his face yeah 
like Winthorpe is like, you know, I will press full charges, apprehend this man. And he's like just being completely like a dick. And then the Dukes are sort of there, uh, you know, as he's being apprehended. And Billy Ray keeps saying it was an accident, you know, but Winthorpe, you know, he's like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) Pish pish posh, you know. Uh, Billy Ray says he wants to talk. He's like, is there a lawyer in the house? I want to talk to my lawyer. And I love how just a bunch of old white guys, they all look down going, you know, like trying not to make eye contact with them because they're all fucking lawyers and they don't want to fucking represent him because they're all fucking giant pieces of shit you know and everybody needs to remember too that this is total satire it's yes you know it's it's just it's total satire it's a political commentary you know on society yeah, yeah, no. Everything they do, it's it's for laughs, but it's also to to to, to yeah to satirize what's going on, and they have to play some things big like this, you know, having like yeah. fifteen old white guys being like, we're, you know, all who are clearly all lawyers, but yeah, it's yeah. it's all satire, guys. This is. This is all supposed to make the world a better place. Like, if we watch Trading Places and we pay attention to its morals, we're supposed to be better people afterwards. Uh, much like, much like Winthorpe. Yes. Um, but uh, so, so as he's like, you know, uh, being carted away, um, the the Duke brothers are are standing there, and and Billy Ray, you know. They're talking to him and, and Randolph, he's he's basically probing him with questions. He's like, you know, you know, you were in and out of juvie and this and that. And he's like, what do you want, man? All that kind of stuff. And and basically because he's trying to prove that, you know, it's 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 nature or it's n- nurture versus nature. And then Mortimer yeah. says, uh, you know, basically Randolph says, you know, there's probably something wrong with him. And then Mortimer says, of course, there's something wrong with him. He's a Negro, probably been stealing since he could crawl. And yeah, there you go. I mean, and I, so I told Myra, I was like, look, if this was like a James Bond movie or something, you have to see the villains kill somebody to know that they're villains. This was the part to sort of really solidify that Mortimer and Randolph are the the bad guys of the movie. They are the bad guys. They are the, they are Darth Vader and the emperor. They are the bad guys of this entire film. And, you know, I think that you need them to be extreme to sort of, you know, to pull off, I guess to pull off the joke or to pull off the, the context, the satire. There you go. Pull off the satire. Oh, yeah. It's got to be over. Well, it's got to be over the top. But let's be honest. Unfortunately, there are way too many people like that in this world that are exactly like that. Yep. So it's kind of like just them talking to, the, to each other at, at the place after Billy Ray has been sort of taken off. Um, and they, Mortimer, uh, you know, basically they, they say like, okay. If misfortune were to fall upon Withorpe, you know, would he turn to crime? And, uh, you know, Randolph believes that, that he would. But, you know, it would have to be extreme. He would have to lose, like, everything. He would have to lose his friends, his girlfriend, his house, like, everything. And then he says, I, you know, I think that, uh, that, that Winthorpe would take to crime like fish to water. And so they go, uh, you want to do a, a bet? And, like, their bet that they do. And he's like, you, the usual amount. We don't know what that is yet. But he's like, yep, and they agree on it. And so now the catalyst, basically, of the film starts. 
we cut to back to the uh, Winthorpe's house, and Winthorpe is having dinner with Penelope while Coleman is like sort of making uh, dessert and stuff. And uh, I love how Winthorpe is acting all like big and mighty because you know what he did today, and you know, and 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 Coleman's just kind of laughing at himself, yeah. you know, at Winthorpe. It's a it's a fun little scene, you know. And uh, he's like, and then of course Penelope's getting all hot and bothered because Winthorpe was the big macho man today. He apprehended the Billy Ray Valentine monster, you know, even though Coleman's giggling to himself. Yeah, I wrote down, what a scumbag. What a scumbag. Such a scumbag. <laughs> uh, I retract everything I said about Winthorpe at the beginning. He Good. is a piece of crap. He has to fall. He has to fall in order for him to bring himself up. And I guess, you know what? I was probably looking at him at the beginning under the lens of what he was going to turn into, you know? Whereas at the yeah. beginning, he's not there. He's not quite there. And he's an evil character. Yeah, he's not a he's not a good guy. And his girl, his girl is that typical. She's that cookie cutter uh, sorority girl, you know, that oh, yeah. comes from money and. Well, I mean, yeah, and all of his friends and and, and all their girls. It, it's all you know. The, the girls are all from like debutante balls and stuff yes. like that. This is all like high society. And while the Dukes are clearly more rich than Winthorpe, Winthorpe is he still comes from high society. You can oh, yeah. tell. It, yeah. It's not like it's not like upper middle class. It's it's like. It's like upper, upper, or whatever. It's it's pretty high up. It's it's definitely upper class. He's just like, Winthorpe is like the lower rung of the upper class, you know? Yeah, because he dropped later on that his parents had died. Yeah. So, you know, there's maybe a little backstory to that. Yeah. Penelope wants to kind of ravage uh, Winthorpe, although it's the very white bread way of having the, the rich white bread way of having sex. There is no passion involved. But uh, she's like, Winthorpe's like, we'll take, you know, Coleman, we'll take this into the into the living room. And Coleman's like, what about dessert? Because he's sitting there slaving over it. And then Winthorpe's like, you can have it. And you can tell. That that hurt Coleman, you know, like he, he didn't want the dessert. He he made it. He wanted Winthrop to enjoy it, you know. Yeah, it's, and, it's like flambe or something like that. Yeah, it's it's really it's a good looking dessert. But uh, so it cuts right when he says that it cuts right to uh, Coleman in the kitchen, just dumping it into the trash. Uh, yeah. And then he gets a, a, a phone call. And uh, you can tell it's the Dukes on the other end because he's like, okay, uh, well, I I work for you, so, you know, I kind of have to do this. And you don't know what he's being told, but he's being told he has to do something. And I do like uh, when he hangs up the the phone and he just walks away and goes, what a scumbag. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I wrote that down too. I'm like, (laughs) so good, dude. So good. I know, and it's. I mean, it's it's really cool because like because later on, I mean, Coleman, he's 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 not upper class like the rest of them, so he's more of an no. everyman type of character. So that that's why he you know he gets along really well with Billy Ray and everything later. But yeah, man, I lo- honestly the I love the Coleman character in this in this movie. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, agreed. I love it. Yeah. Um, back in the living room, uh, you know, Winthorpe and Penelope are kind of like. Un, uh, unsexually getting undressed as they're talking about, you know, Mumsy's party, and you have to come to Mumsy's party. I think it was on New Year's or something. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Winthrop's like, I can't because that's when the crop reports come out. <laughs> and she's like, oh, can't you have them come out, like, later? And I love how she legitimately thinks that Winthorpe could literally just make the crop reports not come out that day because she's completely has no realistic like idea of how the world works you know 
Yeah, you just want to smack the both of them. They're they're so annoying at this point. You're just like, oh god, you just you, you really. I mean, that's the intention of the of the movie. You really want to hate these people. Yeah, and 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 of course, like she throws like it in his face. She's like, well, if you can't take me to the ball, then I'll get Todd too. And then you know, he's like, no, not Todd. And I was like, damn, like, are you guys dating? Like, you can't, you know what I mean? She's gonna yeah, throw somebody else's in your face, like, because he's engaged and they're talking about when they're gonna get married, and you know, yeah. And, and so, and she's already like, yeah, she throws it out that she's gonna go with some dude that maybe she was with before or is interested in. Like, aren't you two getting supposed to get married soon? This is weird. Yeah, I know. And I got this. Maybe maybe it's maybe in super like high society like this. She's I mean, you know, people get married. You get their you marry into family and stuff like yeah. that. You marry into money. Maybe. Yeah. She's like, well, if you're not worth it, I I, I know my worth in this venue. You know, um, I don't know, man. It's a it's a sick world. That's a sick world to me. I don't know anything about it. Is a sick I'm, I'm uncultured swine. I dated a girl once who had all these lawyer friends, and I ended up going up to the city, San Francisco, with her uh, to hang out at a party, and nothing to say to them because it was it was all. It reminded me of my, when my when my dad and my stepmom would talk about their day at work, and my brother and I would just sit there for the entire dinner and not say a word because we had nothing. To, they didn't engage with us at all. And, right. You know, I'm dating this girl. I go to this party with all these lawyers. And all the lawyers are just talking about shop. And I'm just like, it's really fucking weird. There's, no one's asking me a thing about who I am, you know, and, and could give two shits. And I'm like, yeah, I hate all you people. I hate all you yep. people. Yep. Yep. Because yep. they all probably thought you're like, oh, were you, I assume you were, were you a teacher then? I was teaching. Yeah. And that's how I was introduced. You know, yeah. this is they're probably like, oh, look at this teacher guy. Uh, oh, he's a teacher. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, I do. Where did I you do go to like school? when. Seriously, I do like when sort of Coleman comes in real quick and he's like, you know, will you yeah. be needing anything? And, you know, <laughs> Winthrop says, I have everything I I need right here. Um, I, you know, the sadness in Coleman's eyes and may, maybe again, maybe earlier I was looking. I was also maybe looking at Winthrop through Coleman's eyes because I do get the sense that Coleman actually cares about Winthrop at least a little bit, you know, maybe. But he just he seemed like he's like Coleman was just a little little bit distraught by what was going to happen to to Winthorpe. Maybe, yeah. I also thought he looked a little disgusted by it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, like, it's ew, hilarious what, uh, how, we, how we both in- interpret uh, the same facial uh, expression differently. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because I, I think like I think at that point, I, I, I totally get what you're saying and it's valid, but I think at that point, because Coleman's like pretty much half naked, three quarters of the way naked, or it's not Coleman. Oh, you mean Winthorpe. Winthorpe. Yeah, and, yeah, and and uh, and he's looking at him like, oh, oh, well, okay. I don't want to visualize them boning right now. <laughs> no one does. It's it's going to be missionary and boring as fuck, yes. and probably like three minutes long. Yes. Um, <laughs> now we we cut to jail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fucking uh, dude, I love. Oh, Billy Ray. Okay. So in jail, he's talking to like Billy Ray's sort of in one corner talking to three other guys. They're all hanging on, on every word he's saying because he's that, you know, that fast talking, jab talking type of guy. He's, he's fun. But one of the people that is listening to what Billy Ray is saying is Giancarlo Esposito. 
There might, you might go. have been one of his first movies he ever made. I, I didn't look it up to confirm that, but it's definitely one of his first movies he's ever done. Yeah, because he looks like he's 17 in it. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid. He's still got, like, <laughs> yeah, acne, you know? I know. I was like, he's so Gene young. Giancarlo Esposito, for those of you that don't know the name, I, most recently, think of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. But, you know, obviously we talked about him on King of New York. I know him originally from Do the Right Thing. Um, that's where I know him most famously from. And, yeah, so there you go. It's, yeah. it's a good little, yeah, it's, it's a good little, like, cameo. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's he's a great actor. He's fan fucking tastic in everything yep. he does. Everything. Um, and it was awesome seeing him just look like a fucking kid in this movie. He's a kid, he's a little baby. Yeah, he's a little baby. But I, I I just love everything. So Billy Ray's talking about like, I know the he's talking about karate and stuff. He's like ah, when all those cops took me in. I was beating him up and this and that. And I love how he's like he has this one movie. He's like this move right here. It's called it's called the quarter blood technique. He's like you do that, <laughs> yeah, quarter, and a quarter blood. blood will drop out of a person's body. And, and my wife's like. Is it just going to drop out of the body? Like, just go pop? And I was like, yeah, I think so. She's like, yeah, that's, that's funny. Awesome. I was like, I think that, that's really funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I mean, dude, my 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 wife was fucking, like, dying this movie, man. This, she was, It was killing her. It was We were both loving it, dude. We, we, so, you know, we watched it the first time to enjoy it, and then I watched it today to break it down. And Yeah. Uh, which is, I tend to sort of watch every movie we do twice. Uh, whether I'm breaking it down or not, I usually watch it with, with her for, once for fun and then once for me to take notes on. And, yeah, uh, yeah. this one was a really fun one for both of us. In the other corner are these two big guys, and uh, and one of them doesn't say anything but yeah, and the other one, the big Barry White-looking motherfucker, he's kind of the one that talks, and uh, he's like, I saw you being carried in, like, and you were crying like a pussy, and the other guy goes, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Billy Ray's like, what you, he's like, he's like, um, He's like, we don't see any marks on you. He's, Billy Ray's like, I'm a karate man. Karate man bruise on the inside. He's, I love that. Karate man bruise on the inside. He goes, but you wouldn't know that because you're a big, very white-looking motherfucker. And that's when, <laughs> that's when they get up and they utter the most famous fucking lines from this movie, which is, it ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, dude. I, yeah. And I always see people post that on Happy Thanksgiving stuff. I always see people post like that quote on on Thanksgiving Day and everything. I, That's I always awesome, like dude. it. I always thought it was funny. It, it ain't <laughs> cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. And they walk <laughs> over to him and they pick him up and like put him against the 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 bars. But it's not like it's not like violent or anything. But I do love how you know Billy Ray starts yelling. He's like, "I'm gonna kick your ass. I'm I'm up here in cell block number C. <laughs> you know, knife." <laughs> Floor, you know, yeah. but uh, conveniently, uh, a cop rolls up and uh, tells Billy Ray that he made bail. And that cop, I will always know as the dad from 90210. <laughs> 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 and I remember when, when him and the mom got written off the show, and it was like they went overseas or something like that, yeah. so then everyone could sort of have the whole house to themselves. And honestly, I, I thought that was when the, the show kind of jumped the shark for me. I agreed, and it was so weird because they, they, every now and then when they call in, they call them over the phone yeah. or something like that. Right, it was yeah. So weird. It was just an important dynamic that they dropped. But yeah, seeing him, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, the dad from 90210. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, 
as I, I, this is another one I like as Billy Ray's where they cut to he's outside the precinct walking down the stairs and I love how um, you see like two cops like wrestling with this white guy trying to get up the stairs and Billy Ray sort of stands in front of the front of them he goes might I suggest using your nightstick officer and like when I was younger, I didn't kind of get it. Now I do. It's because they weren't beating on him because he was white. And Billy Ray's like, well, why don't you just use your nice stick? Because that's what you do on us all the time, you know? Yep. But I didn't yep. I didn't pick up on that when I was a kid. Yep. For all those people that are like, no, no, it's not a double standard. Yeah, it was a big time double standard. It's been going on since the fucking inception of our country. So hmm, political post over. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, guys, we try to be, you know, evergreen and, and not really talk about a lot of uh, current event stuff. But, I mean, we're living in some wild times, and, you know, yeah. this movie is relevant. So, but, uh, you know, we're going to still keep it fun and light for the most part. Yeah, under the lens um, of a comedy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love uh, I love how the Dukes pull up and say that, uh, you know— Get there in their limo, and you know, because Billy Ray doesn't really know where to go. He's like, oh, I'll go this way, no, I'll go that way, and then the Dukes pull up, and uh, they're like, Come on, come inside the limo. He's like, Billy Ray's like, I'm not gonna fall for that a second time. Uh, fucking Mortimer, he's like, Whiskey, all you want. And I'm like, He's such a fucking piece of <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> that was the point because I was watching it with my wife, Kristen, and and she's like, This is really messed up. And I go, Yeah, 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 but you have to understand again, it's satire, these are. These are supposed to look like the biggest assholes on the planet because when yeah. they get their comeuppance, and they will, it will be that much more satisfying. Right. And, and like I was saying earlier, it's very easy to show like a James Bond villain be the villain because all they have to do is kill somebody. Yeah. Here you got it. Like they can't kill anybody. So you really just have to hammer home that they're racist pieces of shit, you know? Yes. yes. And they are, and that's, and they are, and when yes. they do have their fall, and the funny thing is, like, I would tell you, my, I think my wife was sort of feeling the same way at the beginning, because I could hear her, you know, make some comments, but by the end of it, with their fall, she loves the end of this movie. Yeah. She loved the, the fall of, of the Dukes and everything, so, yeah, I mean, you, if you just watch, like, the first half of the movie, it's gonna seem like it's, like, sort of a racist piece of shit thing, but the whole point is to, to see what happens to them at the end, and exactly. then, of course, what... And then, of course, their cameo in coming to America. But we'll uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so you know, Valentine gets in the car, and I love how I love how when Randolph sort of hands him the uh, the cigar box, he just like grabs like a handful of cigars, grabs the whiskey, <laughs> sort of shoves it in his pocket, and uh, all you the want. Say they're, all you want, you know. The the Dukes say they they run a program uh, uh, where they take culturally disadvantaged people you know note note that you know dialogue that usage of dialogue they say culturally disadvantaged people yeah. uh, basically just saying he's disadvantaged because he's black and uh and they want to supply him with a home a car a generous bank account and a job and they're going to give him 80k a year dude 1983 money that's like fucking almost 200k today a yep. year oh yeah yeah that's a lot of fucking money 
And I love how Valentine, he like looks at them and he looks at the driver because the driver's like African-American. He's, he's like, okay, let me go approach this guy. He's like, what should I do, man? He's like, he's like, what's, you know, what's going on here? He's like, uh, he's like, uh, is this a joke? And then they're, and the guy's like, no, he's like, he's like, you know, okay, they're, they're gay, right? Basically. And the guy's like, no. And he's like, what do I do? And, and the driver's like, oh, kind of like, I don't know. He's like, thank yeah. you. You've been so much, such a help. Yeah, because the driver never actually says anything. He no, just shakes his head. No, he doesn't. Shakes his yeah. head and then shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that Eddie Murphy's just like, thank you. You've been such a help, yeah. you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, you know, so the Duke says, you know, uh, I think it was probably Mortimer, says, uh, you know, all the charges have been dropped and you're free to go if you want. This is this is it. Like, we're, we're offering you this. No strings attached. You can stay if you want. You can you go as a free man if you don't. And uh, Valentine says, he's like, I-, I think I can hang with you guys for a while. And, he's, and he kind of <laughs> introduces themselves. And, yeah. and Randolph's like, Randolph, he's like, Randy. And he's like, Mortimer, he's like, Morte. <laughs> I was like, I loved it. <laughs> Doesn't he say Billy Ray Valentine? And he goes, Capricorn. Yeah, Capricorn, you know. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. And then he, like, looks at Randolph because he doesn't know what to say. He's just sitting there, and he's like, yeah. he's like, he's like Randy. It's kind of like Randy Jackson, Jackson 5. And, you know, Rand- Randolph's like, yes, like that. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fine. Man, anything with Billy Cole in it. Uh, Billy Cole. Great. Oh, my God. That was uh, that was a Fright Night uh, uh, well, slip, buddy. Anything with Billy Cole. <laughs> hey, man, anything with Billy Cole and Billy Ray uh, Valentine. Now, that <laughs> would be a movie team-up that I would want to see. Bop, bop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. This <laughs> made you spit out your drink. I almost did. The, uh, the Dukes uh, take Billy Ray to Winthorpe's house and, uh, and introduce him to Coleman. He doesn't really trust Coleman. He won't let Coleman take his stuff. Yeah. Although they keep telling him it's, it's, it's Coleman works for you. And uh, Billy, uh, and they're like, you know, it takes some convincing, but uh, Billy... Billy kind of finally gets into a bath. You know, Coleman runs a bath for him and everything. He says it's a jacuzzi. And again, uh, Billy Ray makes a, a, a gay joke there. Um, but then uh, he's like, no, sir. It's like, it's like a whirlpool. It's like a bubble bath type of thing. And, uh, he's like, and that's when Billy Ray's like, oh, as a kid, you know, uh, if we wanted a jacuzzi, we just had to fart in the tub. I was like, ah, there you go. That sounds like it's from one of his stand-up bits, you know. It was. It was I think it was from Delirious. His first, the first, uh, his first big stand-up concert before Raw. It's funny when I was younger, <laughs> you know. All things about Cosby aside, I, when we go on road trips, we would listen to his his stand-up album. Don't know which one it was, but it was one of his probably the most famous one because if you go and watch the pilot of the Cosby Show. A lot of his stand-up materials in that one, and I remember yes. as a kid having listened to that stand-up album and then watching the Cosby Show. I was like. It like kind of made my world shatter because I heard that joke, especially the part of like uh, where Rudy had soap in her eyes. And now she'd be blinded for life. Like that yeah. was like I was like, oh, that was just the that was the exact joke from the stand up. And I was like, oh, so I see how they created this. OK, now I get it now. And then now we know, like, you know, comedian, you always see with comedians whenever they get their pilot. That pilot always has jokes that you saw oh, in yeah. like stand up specials. Well, shit, that was what Tim Allen. That's how Tim Allen got home improvement based on his whole. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> give me some cocaine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> give me some cocaine, Shaggy. <laughs> uh, now, I, I will say, then, of course, another little piece of racist dialogue is when uh, Coleman comes out and and to talk to 
Mortimer and Randolph, and and they're like, "What is he doing in there?" And and Coleman says, "He's singing, sir." And then Randolph says, "They're a musical people." And I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" You know, like it's just it. They layer it on, man. It's it's nonstop. Oh, yeah. But. yeah, no, it it's nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> So now we cut to uh, Billy Ray is in the living room with Coleman and the Dukes, but now he's all dressed up. He's he's dressed up pretty probably in, in Winthrop's clothes, um, but he's he's looking good, looking nice, wearing his Harvard jacket and everything. Yeah. But as he's talking to them, you know they're explaining to him that everything in this house is his. But as he's talking to them, he's like pocketing things like left and right. It's it's a great visual gag because he's not doing it like slyly like they they see him. But he's like, yeah, 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 sure. No, this is mine. I get it. He's like, oh, this TV's mine. They're like, yes. He's like, OK, great. I understand that. But, you know, clearly, you know, he doesn't. Uh, but he's like this vase over here. Is this mine? And they're like, yep, that's yours, too. And he's like, oh, so you don't care if I do this. And of course, he, he throws it back and forth and then he drops it on the ground and it breaks. And they're like, oh, my God. And he was like oh uh and then he's like he's like uh was that expensive and then randolph said well we bought that for thirty five thousand dollars and of course you know uh billy ray like looks shocked and uh but but mortimer says but i think we valued it at 50 grand so you know uh billy ray he's already making us money and billy ray's <laughs> like hey great you may break something else and the all three of them go no <laughs> i like that <laughs> Yeah, I like great. that. I, I, I like that t- the timing of that. Yeah. All right. So now comes the setup for Winthorpe. Uh, we're outside the Heritage Club. Beeks is kind of looking at the, the Duke brothers sort of in the window. And yeah. as Winthorpe walks by, they, you know, they point. They're like, hey, that's him. That's him. You know, you wonder why they didn't just give him a, a, a picture of, of Winthorpe. But OK. And uh, so Beeks is like, OK, Beeks knows, you know, who to follow. But as soon he's as Beeks like goes to walk, like somebody sort of like gets in his way. And I love Beeks doesn't even say excuse me. He literally throws the person down to the ground. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's such a that guy is such a great asshole in every movie he is in. <laughs> it's like he's perfected it. Yes, yeah. He's he's the perfect asshole. He's the perfect <laughs> asshole. He is a magnificent bastard in this movie. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Uh, inside the Heritage Club, um, you see a, a meeting is called with the members, including including Winthorpe and uh, like everybody. A big meeting is called, and I think this is when uh, you see him sort of. Uh, uh, Mister Beak walks by. Okay, this is, yeah, Mister uh, Beaks walks by and, and puts something into his pocket. You don't really know what it is, um, and then at the meeting, everyone's sort of there. Of course, it's just a bunch of fucking old white guys, you know, sitting around a half table yep. and, or like a room you know basically and uh you find out that beaks is a part of um he he belongs to a security company that that they hired and they said that that this meeting is because someone in the club is a thief and you know i love how they're like you know not like your common thief like winthorpe apprehended earlier in the week but this is someone truly low and despicable because somebody because they're white because it's a white person is what yeah. they're saying yeah fucking shit <laughs> again horrible dude it's all satire it's horrible but it's all satire yeah um and then so so beaks basically makes everybody stand up 
put their left hand on the person's shoulder next to them and then reach their right hand in the next person's pocket. Basically has one person take the stuff out of the other person's pocket and puts it down so you can't uh, hide something, you know? Yeah. And so everyone has basically their pockets emptied out in front of, in front of them on the desk. Beak says that he marked three $50 bills with X's, and a few moments ago, those bills were stolen from a coat in the cloakroom. He said one of their operatives saw the thief, and so Beaks basically walks around, but pretty much walks right up to Winthorpe and then checks the money in front of him, and then boom, three bills, all with X's on them. And then Winthorpe, you know, of course, is starts protesting and everything. That's mine. And, I've never seen that before in my life. I can't be a thief. I'm high society. And, uh... Uh, so then he's uh, basically he's apprehended by the police and, and led outside. Um, cut to Winthorpe. Uh, I was going to say, too, it's an interesting yeah. scene where because they, they're like showing paintings on the wall of just old school, like white people, you know, yeah. like white. I don't even recognize who they were, but I'm assuming they're you know old, rich white people like yeah. how offended they are, you know. Yeah, because cause when he was being let out, he was, like, you would cut to shots of, like, you know, people's faces, but then it just cut to shots of, like, yeah, old white paintings of, of old white guys staring yeah. at him, like, disapprovingly, you know? Yeah. It was, you know, I thought it was funny. Oh, yeah, no, su- super funny. It's it's like, uh yeah, it's it's like the people of the Heritage Club are looking down upon him. Yes. They're all pieces of shit anyway, so yes. who cares? Mm-hmm. At the at the police station, we see like the, the the camera sort of starts on Frank Oz as a police officer in, in the police station, um, but he as he's walking by, Beeks is sort of there and he whispers something into Frank Oz's ears, and you don't know what it is, and you're like, okay. As Winthorpe is being booked, he's still like protesting, you know, he's like, "You'll be sorry. Do you know who I am?" And of course, it's like he's standing like with a bunch of, you know. People who have been in the system before and yes. and are completely like, whatever, dude, kind of like rolling their eyes at him, you know, because yes. like, stop being an asshole type of thing. And the police tell him to like, take off his clothes. He's like, I, you know, you are making a career decision. And now this is when we see uh, our, our famous, uh, our favorite uncle from New Kids. Yes, dude. Um, Eddie Jones. Good old Eddie Jones. He plays cop number three. I'm like, yep. oh shit! Wait, that's that guy. The, he's been in a ton of things, dude. Like, yeah. besides uh, New Kids, one of my favorite roles of his was Sneakers, uh, where he plays Buddy Wallace, a like NSA agent, I think. Uh, bad guy in the movie. Sneakers is great, by the way. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, oh, dude, and- I saw Sneakers in the theater, and yeah. it was it was like right after I left the theater. I wanted to see that movie immediately again. I, I didn't see it till I rented it, but every time I watch that movie, I love it. It's such a fun movie. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a flawless, uh, fun heist caper movie. Um, yeah, I, I cannot say enough good things about that movie. It's it's like it's just it's perfect. It's a perfect film. And then he was also in Year of the Dragon, which is a great Mickey Rourke uh, film directed by Michael Cimino. It, that was like the movie that put Michael Cimino on on the map, and then he did like Days of Heaven, which 
killed his career uh, as a director. <laughs> like, killed his career. It literally killed his career. Um, but, yeah, no, that Eddie Jones – or Eddie – sorry. Yeah, Eddie Jones, cop number three. And you're like, holy shit, but you're from New Kids. You're the uncle. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's – He's a character actor. Yeah, he, I've seen him in a million things before too. But yeah, with you, probably sneakers is actually every time I see him, I think sneakers is where I sort of picture him in my head. You know? Yeah, because he's such a good bad guy in that. He really is. He really is. Um, I love how the the cops are like telling him to strip, and then like you know he won't do it, and then one one big cop stands up. He says, "Strip your little shit for a tear you a new asshole." <laughs> I loved it. And Winthorpe's like, you heard him threatening me. I have witnesses. And he turns around looking at the people behind him. And, like, they're not – they don't give a flying give a fuck. And then, you know, just a great shot where, like, the camera is on Winthorpe. But all of a sudden hands grab him, you know, and sort of yes, pull him out of, out of frame type of thing. And, and that's great. how it ends. Yeah. Because then you cut to Winthorpe. It's, it's still, like, in the same location. But now he's standing there with uh, – in his underwear – and he's standing in front of Frank Oz as Frank Oz is going through his his uh, his stuff and uh, pulling everything out of his pockets, doing an inventory of it, and uh, he, he finds tickets to like an opera and things like that. And La and, Bohème, and, but La Bohème, and uh, of course, yeah, uh, uh, Winthrop corrects him on on the mispronunciation uh, of it, yeah. La Bohème. But then um, you know Frank Oz pulls out a, a little baggie of some kind of white substance, and God bless the '80s because all cops did was stick their finger into that and <laughs> taste it. And uh, Frank Oz goes PCP after right right away knows it's PCP, and yeah. uh, he says uh, that's three to five mandatory, and uh, Lewis is booked pretty much right there. He's fucked. He's fucked. He's absolutely And I love fucked. it. He's like, you know, Frank Oz has that very distinct voice. Do you know what this thing, you know what this can do to kids on the street? Have you seen what this does to kids? This is angel dust. It's angel dust. And I, I, I said, I, I told Myra, I was like, oh, that's, uh, it's Frank Oz. You know, it's uh, Kermit the Frog and, and Yoda. And man, you can, right when you know it, you can just fucking hear it right away. And Frank Oz was in um, Spies Like Us, too. He was the, the, the teacher giving the exam. Uh, where Chevy Chase has the famous line where he walks up and he says, can you hold my wallet? There's a uh, $50, $50 bill in there. But then again, maybe there isn't. Are you trying to bribe me? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, I great. love Spies Like Us. I saw. I probably watched that movie as recently as about a year ago. And Spies Like Us is great, it. yeah. It, it, it <laughs> suffers a little bit from the stripes syndrome. I call it the stripes syndrome because stripes is – hilarious yeah. in the first half the second half is boring as hell in my opinion uh it has a little bit of that but then it kind of comes back at the end but it's the first half of spice like us is great i i completely agree with you um i never i like stripes well enough but yeah i always found it to be a two-part movie and the first part is a lot funnier than the second part yeah. and i do agree with you like the basic training stuff in, in spies like us was uh better it was the best all right, we got back to Billy Ray, and he's walking into his, like, I probably kind of guess it's, like, his bar, right? Like, his yeah. favorite bar that he goes to. Um, dude, the fucking, right away, the bartender. Like, like th- that was, was another character actor. Just going to say, I actually gave him a shout-out the other day uh, uh, on, on $2 Late Fee. Bill Cobbs is his name. Most people will know him from New Jack City. Uh, he was the yeah. one who shoots uh, Wesley Snipes' character at the end, and but I, I he was in he was 
so good in this movie called Dominic and Eugene with hmm. Tom Hulse and Ray Liotta. And, oh, okay. And Ray Liotta, the brothers, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in it too. Uh, Tom Hulse plays. I don't know. I don't know if he's like special needs, but he he's like to be politically incorrect. He's like slow, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a garbage man. And uh, Bill Cobbs is one of the garbage men in in the crew, and it's it's really like it's a drama. It's really sweet. It's 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 got, it's got some really warm moments, and it's Ray Liotta at probably his warmest outside of okay. uh, Field of Dreams. Dominic okay. and Eugene, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch if you've never seen it. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll if if it pops up on my radar, I'll watch it. You should if, if you ever get a chance. <laughs> but with yeah, us, yeah, right. we're like, no, we're never gonna get a chance. So <laughs> I know, I know. Fuck off. I, I I always say that you know what when I'm 80 and retired, I'll I'll you know I'll, I'll watch all this stuff. Then that's when I'll watch Breaking Bad when I'm 80. But uh, <laughs> it'll hold up. It'll hold up. I've seen him in, in so many things, too. He, another great character actor. Yeah, this Bill movie Cobb. is just chock full of them. Um, but uh, oh, Demolition course, like, Man. He was in Demolition Man also. That's that's where I know him from. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to I was trying to think like in my head what it was. And then right when it came out of your mouth, I was like, yep, that's that's where I'm picturing him in my, in my head in that outfit. He was play played. He played the old cop that kind of could still remember the, uh, you know, the olden times. Yeah, he's great, dude. And the guy's mm-hmm. like. I guess like 90 now or 88 or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, he looks the same in this as he does in, in Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which, which means he ages really well because Demolition Man was like eight years after this. So. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so the bartender's like, uh, well, I should say Billy Ray Valentine. He's dressed in, he looks nice. He's dressed up. And uh, the bartender's like, hey, man, you know, you, you can't come in here. And Billy Ray's like, I got your money. And he gives him his, like, $27 that he owes him. And uh, you got to figure back then that was probably closer to what you would think of nowadays as, as uh, 50 bucks. So it's not not a small thing, you know. It wasn't, it's not a small amount of money. But he True. gives it back to him. And then uh, he's talking to people. And he says, you know what, I'm going to buy champagne for the entire bar. So everyone's <laughs> loving Billy Ray right now. Everyone's cheering. The girls are on him. This is everything. Everything Billy Ray thinks he wants out of life, but he, you know, he'll quickly learn that it's not. But um, even yeah, the two big long. guys, no, it doesn't. Remark, uh, you know, I thought it was going to take longer for him to sort of learn that this isn't what he wanted. But yeah, it, it's really quick. But right now, he thinks that he wants to be a big shot with his friends, and uh, you know, soon enough, he'll find out that that's not it. But uh, the two big guys from jail, um, they yeah. they're, they're there, and yeah, and then the, in the, in the <laughs> fucking Barry White looking motherfucker uh, are both there. And uh, <laughs> why isn't yeah like our our catchphrase for this one? I love how we just went with fuck off. <laughs> fuck off yeah well i think yeah. it's, it's just it's a sign of the times dude it's it's anger mm-hmm. it's anger a little bit of, that's but true we can shift it we can shift it we can shift it right now yeah yeah <laughs> dude that's what i love about you man you're, you're very <laughs> flexible buddy you are you are definitely very flexible when it comes to things <laughs> I'm and i am talking and i am talking sexually of course <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't have it any other way any other way Oh my! Um, and so they were like, "Hey, man, weren't you the guy last night in in jail? You know, you were talking about having a limo." And Billy Ray's like, "Well, I have my limo right outside." And I love how they both walk out there, and yeah. Coleman's just standing there, and he kind of gives him a little bit of a wave and a nod. <laughs> and uh, it was it was funny, like a cute little funny sort of exchange between the the two big guys and, and Coleman. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so Billy Ray <laughs> invites everyone back to his place to party. And, uh, oh, here it comes, guys. This is this is where old five-year-old Corey woke up from the uh, from his nap in the backseat of the car. But uh, at the party, man, it's 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 going crazy. It's a, it actually, you know what? Aside from you know a few cools on the ground and a and a guy about to throw up, it looks like it's a pretty happening party. To be honest with you, <laughs> it looks fun to me. <laughs> Coleman seems to be enjoying himself too. And and the song that's playing on the on the radio or the, on the record player, and I say record player because he scratches it off when it's done. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's called I "Do You Want a Funk," and it's by yeah. the band Sylvester, uh, or by Sylvester. Oh, it's such a great song. Do you want a funk? It's 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 Basically, dude. It's an it. awesome song, man, and it's yeah. it's a really fun scene, you know. Although during the entire time. Billy Ray is is pretty annoyed. Like he's so he sees people are pretty much like disrespecting his stuff. Some guy's about to throw up, and he's like, "Hey man, the bathroom's downstairs." The guy runs upstairs. He's like, "Hey man, it's downstairs," you know. And he's like, "Like, what are these cools doing on the floor?" You know, someone's basically putting out their cigarettes on the floor. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then and then we get the the shot of these uh, these two ladies dancing. One of the ladies uh, she kind of moves people away from her, you know, while while she's doing her dance moves. You know, and uh, and and so Corey, just picture Corey waking up uh, groggy-eyed in the back seat of the car, opening his eyes, and uh, like I said earlier, this this lady, she's beautiful, beautiful lady, but boy, oh boy, is that haircut unfortunate on her head? It's, well, it, it's really bad. Yeah, she's she's beautiful. She's clearly like a model uh, that they got, and 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 it's really weird though because she's like. She like takes off one shoulder of the jacket and the other shoulder of the jacket, and then next, next thing you know, she's like topless and she's dancing around. And everybody's like, "Yeah, that's what you do." Now, I don't know, man. Like, like I don't look. I didn't grow up in the '80s as an adult, and I didn't go to cocaine fuel parties as an ever. Uh, but shit, like her and, and there's another chick topless later on. Like, there's a lot of. I mean, they're all hookers, ladies of the night. I'm assuming. Yeah, I think they are. I, I think they are. Really uh, I mean, funny. watching watching it now, her dance moves are really weird. Um, her her like like what she's doing, like she does this like mock push people away, and yeah. she has very like extravagant facial expressions. It's like it's yes. really yes, really weird, extravagant. And, and I'm and it's I'm watching it now, and I'm just like, this is so weird. Like she is just like a like she's acting weird you know but she's she's very pretty um and those are the first pair of boobs that i i ever saw right there so but i will say this once uh once billy ray like he's like weren't there more people he says to call me goes weren't there more people downstairs and coleman says some people went upstairs and billy ray goes upstairs where the two girls are in bed with uh and one of them is topless i will say that chick wowzers she she had a pretty fantastic uh top (laughs) top side and and also (laughs) terrible hair too Yes. Well, I mean, everyone has terrible hair in this, except for Jamie Lee Curtis. Her hair is fantastic. Oh, Actually, I think gorgeous. she looks. I think she looks great with uh, short hair. She's gorgeous, and, and she all is. that she, all she that really bullshit is. about her being a hermaphrodite or whatever. At some point, what the fuck? That was stupid. That's just stupid, man. Because you look at her in this, and you're like, "There's no way she's gorgeous." <laughs> She is amazing. I mean, my, my wife was was blown away by by Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Truthfully, I mean, she is a a, a statuesque, stunning beauty in this film. Yes. And uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not it's, demeaning it's, her in any way whatsoever. Like, no, she's just, just unbelievable. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think we're both I think we're both on the same page with that one. Um, but oh, we are Billy. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Ray. He's like, get out. You know, this is you know we get the the record scratch like you said. It's like it's like get out. Get the get fuck the out. Fuck Just, out. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Get out of my house. Just starts herding everybody out. And, um, you know, and even the two guys, the, the one, the Billy, the, not Billy, the, the Barry White looking motherfucker, he's yeah. like, you're one stone cool cat. And he's like, whatever, dude, get the fuck out of here, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it was funny. But, but you know, I, I, it leads up to a great exchange between Coleman and, and uh billy ray so like after everyone leaves you know um coleman's like oh i think that party was a success and you know i think your friends had a good time billy ray's like those aren't my friends you know they're they're animals treating this place like a zoo you know yeah. they got no no respect or whatever and uh you know he, he looks hurt by it and uh, coleman picks up on that and uh so coleman's like hey why don't you you know retire upstairs and i'll clean up down here and billy ray's like hey you know what thanks coleman i appreciate it and it's just like this I picked up on like you know, he looks at Coleman in the eyes like yes. he talks to Coleman immediately. like immediately he talks to him like he's he's a person he talks to yeah. him like like there's no difference between the two and if anything he almost treats Coleman right away as more of a friend than anything else you know yep. and I love the dynamic between Coleman and Billy Ray in this movie yeah that's a movie I could totally see like remake Arthur with that shit you know <laughs> yeah right dude like. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I yeah. Seriously, seriously, dude, that, that would be awesome. Stupid that would ass, be a, uh, whatever that comedian's name is, Russell Brand. Oh yeah, that was right. That when they remade Arthur. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. This is my my only problem with a lot of these remakes too is that that's all people are ever going to know for a really long time. That's all they're going to know, and like, no, 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 no. The source material is where you need to go. I saw on some message message board, um, uh, <laughs> some Facebook group. They're like, oh, I really love the thing. It was really good. And then in parentheses, they put like 2010 or 2008. And I'm like, all right. Uh, First of all, (laughs) that's not the thing. That is a whatever. Uh, Go back and do some research, please. (laughs) Watch the the (laughs) remake. Watch the good remake. Anyways, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, I, I I don't pay attention to what anyone says online. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm starting to get there. Yeah. Um, in jail, uh, we see that again. The dad from nine hundred two one zero. Yeah. He goes to let Winthorpe out of out of the holding tank, and man, Winthorpe looks like shit. He's been he's got a black eye. He's just been <laughs> beaten to shit. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, downstairs beaks is kind of like waiting and he sees ophelia which which is uh jamie lee curtis's character's name um he sees her yep that's she's introduced in in this part and he kind of walks up to her and he says you know he's like i got a hundred dollars for you to do something she's like what are you trying like i just got out you trying to entrap me you know right here in the police station he's like he's like no it's something else and then he whispers and you don't really know what he's saying um cut to penelope is sitting like on the bench just with a bunch of you know, people around her, and and she looks terrified of everyone. Yeah, near I love her. this. I love this scene. 
<laughs> and then some big guy who I've seen before, right? That that actor that sits next to her and says she's got a nice purse. Did you recognize him? No, I I, I didn't play. I didn't track who he was, but uh, but yeah, I I only know him from this movie because he's got that. He's such a. He looks like a pedophile. It's like, yeah, it's a nice yeah purse. He's, he's very goony. Now your purse. He literally looks like. If you look in the the, the dictionary or, or of like what a goon looks like, yeah. it's him. He plays yeah. like a goon, and I've seen him in other stuff. And he always sort of plays goon type of people. Um, but yeah, she's sitting there. Winthorpe comes out. He looks like she looks like shit. You know, he's not even wearing his clothes. He's wearing other clothes, and, and yeah, he's got a his, jacket his clothes on. Were stolen, right? Yep, my clothes were stolen. <laughs> and they tried to have sex with me. <laughs> uh, but of course, he says he's innocent and everything. Penelope doesn't doesn't believe he's innocent. She just yeah. like criticizes his looks. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh, you got to believe me. And they kind of make their way. They're sort of like outside area, like in front of the steps and everything. And uh, just as sort of Penelope's about to kind of believe. You know, Winthorpe, fucking Ophelia comes right in and just plants a kiss right on Winthorpe's mouth, you know, and, and, and she's like, I need my next fix and, you know, this and that and the whole thing, acting like he's a drug dealer. And, of course, Penelope's like, <gasps> you know, just just a gasp, you know. Well, I, and, I have and, to I have to point out, too, that, yeah, you know, she's like uh, Penelope's like, you know, you got you had heroin, your heroin dealer. He's like, it's not heroin. It's Angel does PCP. And and there's like this funny, it's kind of a running joke for a little while in the movie because there's this idea almost like, well, heroin's really bad. But Angel does PCP? Meh, not so much. It's not a big deal, you know? So so when, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is out there, it's it's like, uh, you know, she's, she's trying to act like she's a heroin addict and she's jonesing for her fix kind of thing. And that's what mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. And and so so Penelope of course like walks off in a huff, and Ophelia's like ah oh, you know uh, or Winthrop's like I all pissed off at Ophelia why did you do that for you know this and that and uh, Ophelia's like ah oh, your friend said you know you'd get a kick out of it you'd it'd be a joke and because uh, earlier we saw uh, Beaks sort of like nodding to to Ophelia outside when when Penelope and and uh, Winthrop went outside and so. So Ophelia goes, you know, your friend right over there points to where Beaks was, and he's gone. And so Winthrop's like, what? Who would put you up to this? What? You know, you know that, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we cut to, like, like Winthrop and Ophelia are in a cab. Uh, Winthrop's saying, like, look, you know, you pay for the cab. I'll, I'll pay you back when we get to the house. I have a driver there. He'll drive you anywhere around the town you want. He'll, I think he said you also give her an extra $50, too. You'll pay for the cab and give her an extra 50 bucks, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, basically just kind of driving her. He's trying to get home, you know. When they pull up to the house... Winthorpe, you know, knocks on the door because the locks have been changed. Or I guess he doesn't have his keys on him, maybe, I guess, at this point. No, the, um, the locks just, have been you know, changed. Locks have been changed. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah. So, but yeah, because Winthorpe does have his wallet. Even though he doesn't have his clothes, he does have his wallet because he, he's telling uh, Ophelia, like, if I was, you know, a, a scum or you know, a criminal, would I have all these credit cards, you know, a gold club card and a diner's club card? All Man, credit cards, buddy. That was a status symbol back in the 80s. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's boy, oh, boy, it's a wonder we're in such a crisis uh, th- that we are now because – 
we were taught back in the 80s, just put it all on credit, and then you'll yep. pay it off later. But the thing is, you never pay it off. That's the nope. thing. That's how they get you. Hey, guys, it's almost as if it's all a scam to keep us sort of uh, in, in debt and poverty and, and, and keep our magic down. Hmm, mm. interesting. Interesting. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> so it's sad, though, I will say, because, you know, uh, Col- Coleman does have to look Winthorpe right in the eye and you can tell that it's hard for Coleman to do that because Coleman is no matter what he thinks of Winthorpe I think you got to believe I, I I guess I believe that at least Coleman you know doesn't hate Winthorpe you know and 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 he knows his faults but it does pain him to have to like lie to this man that he knows very intimately and we don't know how long he's known him for but yeah. he knows him intimately and it pains him and again it's 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 that it's the, the the subtle reactions on Coleman's face that really just make it stand out. You know that that this role could have been whatever, but honestly, re- like watching it a second time, breaking it down, I realized how important it was for them to get the right person for Coleman because yeah. Coleman has to do a lot of emoting through his eyes in this movie. Yeah, totally, totally. Basically saying, I don't know who you are, sir. I've never seen you before in my entire life. While looking sad, you know, in his eyes, while the the words are, are coming out of his mouth. You're going to call the authorities. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Winthrop and Ophelia are kind of like. Uh, uh, okay, so so we cut to the bank, and Winthrop and Ophelia are there. Uh, I mean, like, let's just say. Uh, she, I mean, she looks like a lady of the night, and he looks like a pimp. You know, they're, they're yeah. at, it's it's funny. I mean, they're they're that's what they look like, and yeah. you know, but but Winthorpe is walking around, you know, like with his chest high, and you know, he's still acting like his sort of his same pompous self, yep. even though you know what he's wearing. Um, but uh, they try to take out like a thousand dollars, but then the head of the bank, the 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 branch head, comes to him, and he's like, you know, the IRS has seized all your assets because of the of everything, and he's been like, I've been ordered to take your credit cards, and he and cut them up, and of course we have this like this line where Winthrop is like, but what will like how will I survive? And it's like ah, that's that's it, right? It was yep. you survive on credit cards. That's what you're that's what you're taught to do in the eighties. Totally. And so they kind of get thrown out, and they're outside. And Ophelia says, "You know what? Forget about the money." You know, she's like, "Just, uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm gonna go home." But like Winthorpe, this is it. He, he's at a low point. He's on Hit his knees. Bottom. He's, yep. he's at rock bottom. He's pleading. He's like, "You know, I have a thousand dollars, or I have a million dollars in there, and, and and you won't help me, and you were a part of it." You know, and she's just like looking at him, and he looks so sad. You know, and I will say that it's it's interesting that now he's on his knees where we when we first were introduced to Billy Ray Valentine he yep. was on his knees too there is yep. there is a connection there they the, John Landis did it on purpose to have uh Winthorpe on his knees in this scene when he's pleading to Ophelia because he's now as low as Billy Ray is or was yeah yeah <laughs> so i love i do like this part ophelia's like Come over here. She's like, you know, rolls down the window. She's like, come over here. And 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 Winthrop's on his knees. She's like, get off your knees, Winthrop. You know, come over here. He runs over. She looks at his hands, and and she's like, she's like, you know, she has something like smooth as a baby's bottom. Even has a manicure. She knows he's never worked a hard days in his life, and she knows 
that he's telling the truth at this point because if he was, he would have rough calloused hands. You know, he, he yeah. has a an upper class, a rich person's hands, basically. So she knows that he's telling the truth, and this is when she sort of sides with him. And, uh, you know, so, so she tells him to get in the car. Get in the car. Well, you know, she's going to take care of him. And as they're sort of leaving, the, uh, Billy, Re- their cab pulls up, like sort of crosses paths with with Coleman and yes, and Billy Ray, right. you know, and they kind of and so Dan Aykroyd, I'm sorry, Winthorpe is like that's that's my car, that's my driver, <laughs> but like like Billy Ray sort of like sees it, but he doesn't really like he like Billy Ray's not quite sure what's going on, but he does say he's like there's some there's some strange shit going on, Coleman, and uh, <laughs> you know, and Coleman's like okay, you know, but. I love this part, and my wife loved this exchange too. So right before uh, Billy Ray goes into Duke and Duke, um, he has this little moment with Coleman. He's like, "Hey man, what do they want me to do up there?" And you know, Coleman's like, "I, I don't know, man. You know, just do what you got to do, type of thing." But but he says what he says to to Billy Ray. He goes, "Just be yourself, sir. They can't take that away from you." And yeah, I, I love that. fucking love that line. Myra loved that line. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, dude, it was just, man, that, that was just, it got me in the feels. You know what I mean? It's great because Coleman is like, you later find out that he comes from the same similar blue collar background, you know, and that he's, yeah, that, that, uh, he knows that this is a, a, a game, but he can't, he's stuck in between a rock and a hard place. He can't, yeah. He, he doesn't want to be on the street too. So, you know, it's such as life, unfortunately. And but he is starting to become more like more of a Billy Ray advocate. Well, I mean, he was yes. from the beginning, but but they're getting closer, and and I love it. I like their relationship a lot. Yeah. Um, when Billy Billy Ray walks into the receptionist, she she immediately knows where he is. She tells him like go down to that you know down the hall, and uh, he walks into the Duke brothers' office, and they're sort of sitting there. Uh, they have it's a big office. It's uh, they got two desks, two everything, you know, and. Um, at one table, there's five plates of food. They kind of, you know, put Billy Ray over here. He sits down. Billy Ray is like, I had breakfast already. And the Dukes say uh, they're basically going to explain what it is they do. This was very helpful for me because I don't know what a uh, commodities broker is. So <laughs> this was very helpful <laughs> for me as well. But uh, they, they are, of course, a bit condescending when they do it. So um, they tell them that uh, they are commodities brokers. Commodities are things like wheat, coffee, pork bellies to make bacon with. And they say, which you might, which you might use to make a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And I love it because, <laughs> because Eddie Murphy just looks right to the camera and yeah. does that pause. Because, like, he's... Like, yeah, I know what poor like I know what bacon is. You don't have to like fucking talk down to me, you fucking asshole. Yeah. But I love it. He, but he like his character keeps his mouth shut, but he looks right at the camera. Like, can you believe these assholes? You know. Yeah, he, he totally. I love that he breaks the fourth wall though, and like yeah. does that. It doesn't happen. Honestly, I don't know if it happens again in the movie, but no. I think right then and there it was absolutely necessary to punctuate the joke. Oh, totally. No, it's perfect. I love it. I love it. I'm usually not a fan of that sort of thing, but I loved it. It was really well done. I, I agree. I agree on both accounts. I'm not usually a fan of breaking the the fourth wall, but I liked it here. You know, um, 
so so the, also gold and orange uh, frozen orange juice is is another thing. Um, yeah. It's it's weird because. Uh, you know, pork bellies is such a big thing early on, but then ultimately it comes down to frozen orange juice. I almost feel like the, the final thing should have still been pork bellies, but whatever, it's okay. So they say that their clients speculate whether or not the value of the commodity will rise or fall, and the Dukes and their firm buy and sell the commodities for them. Uh, Morty, Morte, <laughs> says, tell them about the good part. And then uh, Randolph says, the good part is whether or not the clients make or lose money, Duke and Duke get the commissions. And he's like, do you understand? And Valentine goes, so you guys are just a couple of bookies then, right? And I, and I, <laughs> I, I told my wife, I was like, it's like the whole idea of like, if you kill a th- hundred people, you're you're a serial killer. But if you kill a million people, you, you know you're you're a general. You're you're a soldier. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you do something small and you're a bookie. You do something the exact same thing, but you do it on a bigger scale and you're just a commodities broker. Yeah, unfortunately, that's another frustrating thing about it. You know, it's the yep. The higher up you are, the less shit you get. Yep. Fuck <laughs> off. Yep. Fuck off. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's all it's all a fucking joke, man. All of it. It's it's amazing. But um all right, anyways. So Winthorpe is uh is is, you know, kind of with uh, Ophelia walking down the street and it's the you know, Ophelia lives in a lower income sort of area, but uh, I I like Winthorpe's carrying her groceries for her, so you know, he's he's a gentleman. Um and I love how she like walks past these guys hanging out and she's like, you know, hey John, hey Slick, you know, and she smacks one guy in the ass, hey Ophelia, you know. <laughs> it's cool because she's she's cool. She's people of the people, everyone, yeah. you know, sort of knows her, but she's she's respected because she's she's a she's one of the good guys, you know. She and, is. You find out she's not as bad as she's not. She's not just a straight up, right? You know, drug headed prostitute. It's it's definitely the pretty woman scenario. You know, where yes. it's the, the hooker with the heart of gold thing. Uh, I feel like that trope was kind of big in the eighties. I don't feel like it's that big now, but the hooker with the heart of gold was was a pretty pretty popular trope back then. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think people have wisened up uh, since then. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I got no, I got no hate for uh, for people just trying to just trying to get by, man. You can you can do whatever you want to do with your body. I will never. Uh, I don't. I do not judge on on that whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I do love how <laughs> when they get in the house, uh, when Thorpe was like, he says he was wearing my Harvard tie. Like, oh sure, he went to Harvard. It's like yeah. you're such a piece of shit. And of course, Ophelia is still like sort of rolling her eyes at him, you know. And uh, as Winthorpe is bitching, Ophelia says that uh, if he wants her help, it'll cost him. She's uh, she she's a practical person, basically. She goes, you know, everything costs money. She doesn't care about you know this kind of stuff. She cares about just practical stuff, a roof yeah. over her head. You know, food, stuff like that, you know, and uh, and, and she says she has uh, 42,000 in T-bills and uh, she figures she can retire in a few years of, of laying on her back. And that's when when Winthorpe realizes that she's a prostitute, you know, he's just now realizing this. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but what is a T? What's a T-bill? I don't know what that was. I don't know what that is, is either, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I heard it thrown around all the time back in the day. I, th- I think I, it's I, it's like a it's like a CD. I think 
okay. similar deal. And, and maybe it gives you like like uh, maybe it gives you like a higher uh, percentage yield or yeah. something like that. I, yeah. yeah. But but she's she, she's smart. She goes. Uh, she says. Um, you know. She's like. I'm I'm from a small mining town that you've never heard of. She goes. I I don't have a pimp and I don't do drugs. Everything you see is mine. And I have like forty two thousand. You know, basically saved. And she's going to be able to retire soon. So she's she's. She's smart. That's that's the point. She might not be yeah. like business smart, but she's not stupid, and and that's sort of what you kind of have to uh, you take away from it. Um, and also, she says that you know, as she's sort of undressing and everything in front of Winthorpe, uh, she says, uh, you know, uh, uh, she says she'll help him get it back on his feet, uh, but he's got to basically sleep on the on the couch. You know, she's not sleeping with him. And I gotta say, man, like yes, she's amazing, but that pink dress is was the real i thought that was amazing really showstopper right there she looked amazing in that dress yeah i mean let's let's discuss this it's it's a pretty big deal this scene because it was <laughs> she she's been she'd been nude before in love letters and uh uh stacy keach and uh or i think that was one of the one of the keach brothers anyways yeah dude like she's pretty phenomenal and you're like boom disease yeah holy yeah. crappies <laughs> holy macaroni right there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god man i love this movie buddy i really really do <laughs> i mean i don't want to say much more because i don't want to incriminate oh, myself but yeah it's, it's a beautiful scene it's a beautiful scene. I love it. I, I I love the pink dress. I love this scene. I love Jamie Lee Curtis, and so does my wife. So there you go. Yeah. Um, back at Duke and Duke, uh, uh, Mortimer thinks that pork belly prices are, are going to uh, go up, but Billy Ray says that uh, they're going to drop. It says they're going to keep dropping. Uh, the reason is, so, so Randolph's like, why, you know, and, and, the cool thing is now you see how the difference between people just looking at the numbers and then Billy Ray like sort of knowing the practicality of everything. And he says like, "Look, man, it's 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 Christmas time. Everyone's uptight." He's like, "People want to have money, you know, to buy their kids the GI Joe at the Kung Fu Grip, and you know, and right now they're panicking and selling." He's like, "Wait till it gets to 64 then buy." So so, you know, Randolph's like Tells his people to advise so to advise his clients to buy it at sixty four, and that uh, that Mister Valentine has set the price, um, and basically he was correct because the price did drop, and that's when they bought. Yep. So you know, you see Mortimer, you see. You see, and and he knows because he's looking at it from like a practical standpoint. They they're just looking at like dollars. They're completely missing the human factor of of yeah. money. They're 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 totally missing the human factor of all of this. Yeah. Whereas Billy Ray, that's what he knows. And you know, you got to think that like instead of you know fucking over Winthorpe and all this and that. Truthfully. They should bring. They should have just brought Billy Ray on because I mean he clearly is an asset no matter what. You know yep. he he brings a lot to the table. And uh, man, think of what he could have accomplished with him and Winthorpe. Oh well, we don't have to think about it because we see at the end what he can accomplish with somebody who has like you know like um, plays off their their. They become a perfect team. You know they because they know two different sides of the coin type of totally. Thing, you know totally. And I like that. Um, now we do have this one little <laughs> this part. So as as the the Duke brothers leave. 
Mortimer drops his billfold on on the ground in the office, and uh, we see Valentine picks it up, and it's got a shit ton of money in it, you know, and and, and clearly it's 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 baked. But uh, you know, Valentine grabs the billfold with the money, brings it, runs it downstairs, and and hands it to Mister Mortimer, and he's like, "Here you go, it's all here, you can count it." And and Randolph didn't know that that Mortimer had done it, so of course Randolph is like, "Ah yes, look, I he caught you," type of thing, and uh, and I love how. I love how he basically he Randolph's the one that's holding it, and and when Billy Ray leaves to go back to go to work, he kind of Randolph tosses it in the air for Mortimer to catch, but the actor Mortimer the, he he doesn't quite catch it. It kind of bounces in the air, and yeah. you can tell that Randolph, the actor who plays Randolph, sort of laughs at it. But they keep the whole they keep the whole take, and and my wife loved it because she goes like you can see that the actor's like laughing at. it. I was like I know I don't think that was supposed to happen. I think that was like a, a happy mistake. And it was really cool. I, we both really liked that little that bouncy thing that he did with the money. Yeah, I, I was I was looking at a, a few of the like fun facts or whatever and trivia on IMDb, and that was one of them that that wasn't intended. Oh, that's oh, so we were we were actually correct on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> then yeah, it's it's funny because I guess they were having trouble. He's trying to having trouble trying to catch it, and they just went with. And it wasn't supposed to happen, but they kept going with it. I mean, and I think you can you can tell the 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 guy who played Randolph. You could tell that he was like sort of laughing, like it was it was him. It wasn't Randolph laughing. You oh know? yeah, yeah, and, totally. Uh, <laughs> but I like that, dude. I, I love little little moments like that are, are are really cool in my opinion. Yeah, and this movie, there's not a whole lot of like facts or fun facts on this movie, but that's definitely one of them. I mean, there are actually there's a lot of like facts about it if you go on imdb but nothing that i don't know where people would go oh wow you know yeah it's like oh did you know jim belushi's john belushi's brother yes yes we all knew that (laughs) thank you yeah yeah i mean Um, like there's randolph and mortimer always wear matching suits and tie patterns only randolph wears a bow tie and mortimer mortimer wears a necktie so well, let me ask you this. I don't know what scene it was. I, it could have already passed. But in the Duke's office, um, we both noticed when we were watching it the second time that they both have a, a presidential picture on their desk. And Randolph has yeah. Randolph has Reagan and then uh, Mortimer has uh, Nixon. And I'm yeah. just, I was wondering if there was a significance to, to like why those pictures were what, like why one was on one person's and one was on, you know, another person's desk or were they, were they just both Republicans or why well, I think, Reagan? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, my take is that Nixon was corrupt and, and Reagan was not, uh, but Reagan was still, you know, didn't have a clue as well. Like he was still, you know, that uppity rich white just didn't right. care about, you know, because Reaganomics were, were, were specifically to, to keep the lower income people down. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he wasn't necessarily corrupt, you know, it's not like he, he wasn't impeached. Uh, but, but, you know, he definitely wasn't a, a, a person of the people, if you will, if you will. Right. Yeah, and then on, and then by the time his second term came around, he kind of had Alzheimer's too. So you know, yes, uh, <laughs> wild guys, wild. The eighties were wild, and we look like we're gonna repeat that again with an old president. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Anyways, right. Sorry. I know, I know. Um, so back at the Heritage Club. We see Winthorpe's like four friends are doing a barbershop quartet, uh, <laughs> singing to their four girls who you know are all 
the debutantes, you know, but their song kind of calls out one of the girls as being a slut. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and they all seem to be okay with that. I was like, that's interesting, right? Like, you think that one girl would have been maybe a little bit pissed about it? Yeah, I mean, she kind of rolls her eyes, and you're just like, you know, Candace Fry, Candace. Oh, it's so stupid ass pentatonics bullshit. Like, yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Uh, the, the harmony stuff, you know, they're yeah. all harmonizing oh, and my everything. God, these guys are such tool bags, but that's that's the intention. That's the yep. intention. No, that's it's it's all on purpose. It's all yep. they're they're supposed to be like like Ivy League, you know, upper class or upper crust type of people. And then of course they all know how to barbershop quartet, right? Yep, exactly. Um, of course Winthrop rolls rolls in, <laughs> looking like a hobo. Um, but he comes in to assure his friends, quote unquote friends, that he's innocent, and uh, he 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 wants them to to be his character witness, um, and that he's going to represent himself, uh, and that he needs a small loan if he could, you know. And Penelope basically says that. That he's embarrassing himself, or I'm sorry, Todd says that he's embarrassing himself, and and Penelope basically tells him to to go away, and you know another another low point for for Winthorpe. He's just just getting knocked left and right. Yes. Uh, another scene then cuts to Winthrop is at a pawn shop trying to sell like his seven thousand dollar watch to this guy. You know, he's like he's explaining why it's worth seven thousand dollars and yada yada yada. And then the guy's like, Well, here in Philly it's worth fifty bucks. Well you know who that you know who that is, right? Uh I don't offhand, but he did look familiar. That's Bo Diddley. Like uh, the, the famous blues guitarist. Yep. Yep, that's I know the name, but I would never recognize him. I do I do absolutely know the name Bo Diddley, but I, I, I wouldn't know what he looked like. Yeah, and he was in also I think he was in the Blues Brothers as well, John, another John Landis movie, so there you go. Yeah. I in another Dan Aykroyd movie, so I, I figured that yeah, if he was in Blues Brothers, that makes sense that yep. he was he was also in this. Um then Winthorpe, you know, he takes the fifty bucks, but then Winthorpe sees a gun, he's like, How much for the gun? Yeah, how much for the gun? It's funny because for the gun because Bo's eyes like his eyebrows rise rise up after he says that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it was good. Um, at this like fancy posh poshy party dinner thing, you know, yeah. the, uh, Billy Ray's there with with everybody with the, the Duke brothers and and you know a bunch of rich white people, you know, and uh, and uh, right away like Winthorpe is is already sort of walking by outside and he's looking in. It's raining out there. Um, the the judge, there's like this judge character, and he's telling this terrible fucking joke about. He's yeah. like, I tell tell them to put an S on the doors and put an S on the ceiling because when I drive by, everyone's gonna say. Look at that S car go. <laughs> and of course, he's got this like real hot, like young, you know, not his wife, you know, type of yes. <laughs> type of girl with them, you know. And of course, she's sitting next to Billy Ray. But the judge asked Valentine, he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go long with like April wheat. He's like, uh, um, what, 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 what do you think I should do about it? And and he asks Billy Ray. The whole restaurant stops to listen to what Billy Ray has to say, because at this point, because Billy Ray was the one to set the prices for pork bellies earlier. He's you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, what does he know? And I do love how how Billy Ray's like, you know, uh, well, I wouldn't spend too much money on it because he kind of gives him, you know, some examples of something um but uh uh he says um but he says uh, uh 
judging by all the all the jewels on your girlfriend here, he's like, you're gonna need all the money you can get to keep her happy. And of course, like everyone sort of like waits for for because he said something that sort of out of line, or yeah. you know, oh, did he cross the line? But then the judge oh, laughs at it. You know, it's one of those things, and and then everyone else sort of laughs, and you know. One of the, and then of course uh, you know it looks like she wants to to fuck Billy Ray <laughs> of course yes right? pretty much pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah I, I wrote that down I go I go of course the whole uh, of course the whole time the girlfriend uh, hits on Billy Ray right yeah uh, so of course <laughs> because Winthorpe was walking in the rain he's back at Ophelia's place and he's just sick as a dog uh, he's got like 102 degree temperature and she's like you know. Just stay in bed. Just, yeah, I'll take care of you. Um, one of, I kind of right away, one thing I liked about Winthorpe is he's like, no, I got to work and you got to work. Like he, once he found out that she was a prostitute, he never judges her. He, he's always like, yeah. you know, I'll get out of your way. You know, like I'll get out of your way. You need to work. He 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 views it as like a business. He, he comes at it, I think, from a business sort of standpoint. I don't know if that's maybe the right way to do it, but I, I guess I like the fact that he's not judgy. Like after the initial shock of him finding out, he's not really judgy about it. Well, he's hit such a low point now. It's almost like he he's desperate, you know. So and he's, yeah. he's 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 at square one. So now he's he's just. It's not obvious, but he's got to be nice to everybody. He's got to be nice to whoever's going to help him, you know. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> so and she's she's about to be real nice to him uh, soon. Um, one of her clients does come. She kind of kicks the client out, and then uh, she she gets naked and gets into bed with him. And he's like, you know, uh, that feels nice because he's kind of like rubbing his head. But she's like, I'm just protecting my investment. But you can kind of tell that that she, she cares, you know? Yeah, yeah. She likes him. And yeah, nude scene number two for Jamie. Yeah, JLC. Oh man. Man alive, oh man Jesus. alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Why This Film Podcast looks back at the movies of your childhood. Join me, Emily Slade, each week as I step back in time to revisit the films that you grew up with. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while. Maybe you've watched it every day since you were eight. Maybe you totally forgot it existed. Whatever the movie, I'm here to go back with you through nostalgia untold and memories unnumbered. Together, we'll ask, why this film? Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. 
And now, back to the show. The next morning, Winthorpe is still in bed, and Ophelia brings him the paper. Winthorpe, again, insists on getting up out of bed so he can get to work, and she's like, no one works on Christmas Eve. By the way, Trading Places is a Christmas movie. Just if uh, The same as uh, Die Hard, just if you guys didn't know, it's a yep. Christmas movie. The same as Invasion um, USA, Christmas movie. That, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, Winthorpe opens the paper and sees the article about Valentine working at Duke and Duke and gets fired up. Oh, man. This is this guys, guys and gals. We're about to get into my my favorite version of Winthorpe, which is the yes. demented Santa Claus yes. Winthorpe. So at the Duke and Duke Christmas party, <laughs> Winthorpe rolls in as this like fucking disheveled, disgusting looking Santa Claus. <laughs> He, well, he's not quite drunk yet. He's still sober right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but he is. He does go to the food table and starts like just pocketing all the food. And this, this is what killed Myra. She was dying. She, like the salmon. The salmon got her oh when, when he pockets yeah. the entire yeah. fucking great. salmon. And then the guy in the line afterwards, like, looks down and, like, looks over, like, where yeah. the fuck did the salmon go? I fucking love that, dude. I love it. <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's got the shittiest Santa Claus outfit on, and he's wearing some kind of weird, like, men's, um, plat- like, white platform shoes. I mean, yeah. he looks terrible. He's got, he's, like, half pimp, half Santa. <laughs> All demented. Yes. Um, uh, in the office, we see that Valentine is kind of uh, looking at that. An- another Clarence uh, Beak check. Uh, Beak's check kind of pops up. And Valentine's like, hmm. So he starts digging in. And uh, back in, sort of out in the party, he Valentine brings uh, the Beak's check to the Dukes. Brings the Beak's check to the Dukes. Um, but he's kind of dismissed uh, about it. And he's like, oh, no, he, he, he works for us. You know, and... and I think like 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 Valentine says something like, you know, I, I couldn't find him in all the records, and and Mortimer so dismiss, dismissive. He's like, well, we have managed to keep this company running for forty years before you got here, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Kind of dismissing him outright. We see Winthorpe sneaks sort of sneaks into Valentine's office, which is his old office, and starts like just taking a bag of drugs and just like putting them in his desk. There's just a bunch of them everywhere, you know, and it's not. It's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Pills, you know, marijuana joints or whatever he calls them, all that kind of stuff. Um, Angel does PCP. Mm. PCP. And he calls the Dukes in there when, when, uh, when basically uh, Valentine comes in and, and sees him doing it. Um, Winthrop calls the Dukes, like, come in, Dukes. Is, you know, he's still sober at this point. And they all come in and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, come on, Winthorpe. You know, he's like, he's got all the bad drugs here. I love how he says all the bad drugs. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between a good drug and a bad drug. Yeah, because there's no <laughs> good, good drugs are cocaine, you know. So. Right. It, he didn't say cocaine, so that's nope. probably one of the good ones. Because nope. that's yep. that's, yep, yep. <laughs> cocaine made the '80s go round, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love this is the part I, I love this line too. Um, <laughs> Billy Ray <laughs> picks up the phone to call security, <laughs> and fucking as he's calling security, he goes "Hello, security," and then Winthrop pulls out a gun. He goes "Merry Christmas." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, security comes in, and uh, uh, the two the Dukes tell him that you know they, they can explain because now Winthorpe's you know got the gun. He's like Winthorpe, what are you doing? We can explain, you know. But Winthorpe kind of doesn't really want to hear anything about it, so he kind of leaves the room, you know, uh, and and he kind of runs out into the party. But he's got his gun and uh, yeah. brandishes it around, and everybody sort of like drops down to their knees, and he kind of feels like a big man at, at that point, and sort of like struts out. You know, because <laughs> he's finally got a, a little bit of his like mojo back. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just because he had that gun. Um, I do love how like in there, you know, uh, Valentine saying to Duke, so they, they, they can't, uh, you know, don't be soft on this guy. He's like, you know, he, you got to you got to throw the book at him, you know, and it's almost like you think, like, shouldn't you feel compassion for for somebody, you know, since you had the book thrown at you earlier. But, you know, I, I it was it was interesting that he was like totally on the side of the Dukes at this point. Yeah. And the Dukes are like, like, come on, you know, Valentine be it's christmas or like i forget what they say to him but they're they're basically trying to egg him on like they're it's like they're testing him or something right yeah 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 (laughs) so he's he's basically he's cleaning out later on he's cleaning out the the drugs and everything he kind of pockets the 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 joint of course we all would right (laughs) i love that part yeah i know i know he's throwing everything away and he kind of like puts the joint in his pocket and uh so he goes into the bathroom and he starts smoking the joint and uh uh blows it out you know blows it into the the vent or something like that and uh randolph and mortimer come in talking about the bet and how everything turned out. So they don't know Valentine's in there, even though Randolph sort of peeks under the the stalls and everything, sort of looking around. They don't know Valentine is in there. So they start just talking about everything. And uh, we see, we see that, that the bet, we see what the bet is. And that um, I I guess they, they're now conceding that, that Mortimer won. Right. So he gives them, no, I guess Randolph won. Randolph Randolph won. Right. Yeah. So, so we, we find out that it's a dollar. They fucking ruined a man's life for a dollar because when you're that rich, I mean, it doesn't matter, man. Like you, right? Like, I mean, even though they lose all their money, but when they have money, a hundred dollars is the same as $1, same as a thousand dollars. them. it doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. It makes you hate him even more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then he's like, how are we going to get, you know, Winthorpe back and put Val- back in position and put Valentine back in the ghetto? Mortimer's like, I don't want Winthorpe back now. He's, he's uh, you know, he's no good to me type of thing. And, he, and then he says, and will never run their family business. And, you know, the, the look on Billy Ray's eyes when, when he says the, the N-word. And I only said it before because that was a quote. Now I won't say it after that. But, but. You know, they drop it and 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 it's it hits. It hits hard, you know? Yeah. And it really hits home that they're pieces of shit because uh Randolph or Randolph agrees. He's like, No, of course not, right? So what a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh Don Amici apparently is a pretty a religious person and doesn't like to swear, so it was very hard for him to kinda do that do these scenes, you know? So Yeah. But then they say they won't do anything till the crop report comes in till after New Year's. No, no reason to sort of shake things up now, you know. Um, if if me, if Mr. Beeks does what we ask him to, it will be a very good year for us, you know. So he Valentine hears all of this, and and so he knows that okay, okay, that's it. The 
I got to do something about this. Yeah. Um, he, he, as they leave, he runs down to the lobby or, or he takes the, uh, the elevator down to the lobby while Winthorpe is sort of making his way down there via the stairs, but he is drinking a flask of whiskey the entire time. And he is drunk as a skunk. And <laughs> I love drunk Dan Aykroyd. He is yeah, it's amazing. fantastic. So, so my favorite scene in the entire fucking movie happens right now. And the elevator doors open. Billy Ray sees uh, Winthorpe kind of in the lobby. He's like, Winthorpe, hey, Winthorpe. Winthorpe looks at him. He goes, and <laughs> <laughs> just growls at him and walks away. And I'm like, what a response. What a response. Just growls at him. For, for me, this was this was the moment when Dan Aykroyd, like, I love that he finally dropped his uppity, you know, uh, rich white persona. And now is like, okay, now he's down and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. And this was the big turn for me. Cause I, I honestly like he annoyed me so much as such a douchebag. He's such a douchebag effectively, but yeah. up the, and, yeah. this, and now I'm like, fine. Okay. This is when he makes the tur- the turn, you know? I know. I, and for me, again, it's it's really hard for me to sink my teeth into him being a douchebag because Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it's hard for me to shake the race dance out of my brain, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, up in this up until this point, really, you know, the, the, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a supporting actor. Uh, Eddie Murphy's the only real like uh, character you care about really yeah. up to, to this point. You know. No, yeah, no, um, you're 100% correct. You're not supposed to care about Winthorpe up until here. And we said that he was at his lowest point when he was on his knees. This is his lowest point. Him yes. th- him completely as a, as a drunken, demented Santa Claus is his lowest point. Yes. And, and so Billy Ray kind of chases him outside or tries to and loses him. And Winthorpe gets on a, on a bus. And this right here, he gets on a bus and he pulls the salmon out of his jacket and he starts eating it through his beard. This is the part that my wife just died. She was like, "Did that? This is her favorite part. Just watching how disgusting he is eating that." And I got to give props to Dan Aykroyd because he takes a mouthful of beard hair as he's eating that oh, uh, that salmon. And he yeah. doesn't even crack. He looks right at those people right in the eyes as he eats it, and they look disgusted. <laughs> uh, he gets he gets off the the bus and he's just standing there in the rain, just. Just, just looking straight at the camera as rain is just pouring down on him. He's standing there. Fucking a dog walks up to him, pisses on his legs. That's <laughs> it. It's over. Puts the gun up to his head. Pulls the trigger. Click. Nothing. Throws the gun. The gun hits the ground and fires. I didn't pick up on that the first time I was watching. That okay. like the gun just misfired essentially. You know, like yeah. his luck is so bad that he couldn't fucking kill himself. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god it's, it's like that's so sad right um but uh so right then like he kind of walks into the place but billy ray comes up in the in the cab um he because he's kind of following him and i guess if he knew which bus he got on he could probably take a cab and be like follow that bus you know um but uh uh, uh winthorpe goes up to ophelia's place goes in she's like hey winthorpe and he, again he's like, just like <laughs> walks away because he can't say anything and i just love that Billy Ray comes in and uh, he's like, you know, hey, I'm looking for for Winthorpe and he's in the bathroom 
and Eddie Murphy kind of has uh, Valentine has to kind of kick the door open because Winthorpe is in the bathtub and he's he like basically took a bunch of pills and he's basically going to OD himself. Yeah, yeah. So we cut to Billy Ray and Ophelia are with Coleman, and Winthorpe is in bed. The doctors say, "Hey, you know, you cut it close, so you know it might have actually been bad if they didn't do it." But <laughs> now we have. We have Winthorpe essentially having his Wizard of Oz moment where he he wakes up in his bed and he was like, oh, it was all a dream, Coleman. It was it was all a dream. <laughs> and I love he was like, he was like, you know, damn, I, I didn't write it down. But he said something about how how and then there was this horrible negro and then right yeah. when he says it, it well it's so leading up to it you know uh, uh billy ray's kind of smiling and and like laughing and you know winthrop's like you know and you were there and and but there was this horrible negro and then fucking billy ray's smile of course turns immediately to a to a frown yeah just uh, eddie murphy just does great like reaction stuff he's, he's so then, great He's so great. And then right when uh right when, when Winthorpe sees him, he just shoots right up and starts strangling yeah. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> it was the Dukes. It was, it was the Dukes. Dukes. <laughs> it was almost reminded me of oh actually around the a little bit earlier when um when um Lando Calrissian is getting choked out by Chewbacca and he's like Han, Han, I know where they <laughs> took Han. <laughs> it's kind of like this. He's like, it was the Dukes yeah, as totally. he's getting just strangled out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. So downstairs, we kind of cut to downstairs, and he's, you know, Winthorpe is, is cleaning his shotgun. And Valentine says, you know, you just can't just uh, uh, go around shooting people's in the kneecaps. And, and Winthorpe's like, why not? He's like, well, that's, you know, assault with a deadly weapon. You can't do that. And he's like, it occurs to, and I like how Valentine says it. He's like, he says, uh, it occurs to me the best way to hurt rich people is to make them poor because that's what <laughs> happened to Winthorpe. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ophelia's kind of watching TV. And then on TV, she sees a news clip about the agricultural report being taken from D.C. to New York. And a person who's taking it and delivering it is this gentleman by the name of Beeks who works for this uh, security form, firm. And Ophelia, you know, points and says, hey, you know, that's your friend. That's that's the guy, you know, who told me to, to kiss you outside the precinct or whatever, you know. And she's like, hey, that's him. And uh, uh, Winthrop and Valentine both stand up and point at the, uh, you know, stand up at the screen and point. So they, they you know, now they know. You know, they say, ah, oh, the, the Dukes paid Beak, Beaks to get the an early look at the crop report, essentially, unless yep. someone else. And then, uh, and then Coleman says, unless someone else beats them to it. So right now they know that Beaks has the crop reports. It's going to be delivered early, or like the Dukes are going to learn it early before everyone else does. And now the plan is sort of is, is beginning to be hatched. Back, so we cut to the cut to the office, and and Valentine's at the office, and he kind of like sneaks on to a phone call between yeah. the Dukes and and Beeks, and so Beeks is standing, <laughs> he's standing at a, a payphone in the rain, and he's he's 
telling them that uh, basically he's telling them that he's going to be on a train going to New York and he'll meet them in their certain in their area that they designated or it's a parking garage. But as he's saying this, this lady's kind of standing next to him yeah. waiting to use the phone, but she's kind of close, you know, and he's trying to be all like covert and like saying the, the package will be delivered. And then as he's like talking in mid sentence, he just pa- he goes, hold on, looks at her and he goes, fuck off. <laughs> Oh, it's He's so such great. an asshole. It's so great. It's fantastic, I dude. It. I, love I love it. it. I love it, dude. Straight up, just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So, um, so now we know where he'll be, and uh, so now we're at the train station, and we see like Beeks is kind of walking through the crowd and uh, he's like a dick man he like yeah. just walks in a straight line and if anyone's in front of him he pushes them out of the way yeah. he's just a straight up dick but everyone's wearing costumes because this is a, a New Year's Eve party that's on a train going to New York you know um, by the way I, I kind of miss New York New Year's Eve parties being a costume party I feel like in 2020 things have sort of f- like phased to the point where it's only Halloween man what happened to the days where, where new year's was a costume thing too i yeah i i love a good costume party dude i love dressing up i love not having to i'd rather dress up in a costume than dress fancy that's for damn sure right i'd rather go to a costume party than a tuxedo party yeah but this one's a wild costume party yeah it is and we see wild man jim belushi he's uh he's he's wearing a well, he's, he's, he's wearing a gorilla costume, but he doesn't have his, his hat on or the head on yet, you know. Yeah. But we get a very, like, I don't know, a very, like, obvious establishing shot of Jim Belushi. It's, like, very obviously, like, hey, this is Jim Belushi right here, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think he – I don't know if he was on Saturday Night Live at that time. He might have been. Um, and, you know, he's one of the few guys that, like, was – maybe more successful than his brother. I, I, I get that, J- that John Belushi is a legend and, but you know, John Belushi only made a handful of films and he died tragically really early in his life. Jim has been successful like from forever. And he's done a shit ton of movies in the eighties, the nineties now had had his own sitcoms. He yep. now is growing uh pot on, on a farm in, it might be Oregon actually. I, uh, I it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's Oregon. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I've, I've smoked his, I've smoked the uh, Belushi weed before. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, he's a, he, he's had a very successful career. Like you think about, the Baldwins, uh, and and really Alec Baldwin is the only one out of all the Baldwin brothers who achieved the st- that kind of status that John Belushi, Jim Belushi has. You know, or you think about, I don't know, uh, the Quades. You know, Dennis and Randy. Like Dennis had a bigger career than Randy. Like, yeah, look yeah. at all the different brother combos, and yeah, Jim, being the younger brother, actually ended up having a better career john is more iconic i guess right jim's more just like jim's just had a long career john's more iconic 
you got to figure he and he's iconic because he died young and he yeah. didn't have a chance to kind of like have his career stall and, and wane or anything like that. Um, you know, if people, <laughs> Dennis Leary made a, a whole stand up joke about uh, don't you wish someone would just go back in time and kill El- young, young Elvis, you know, when he was hot still. And, and so we don't have like fat Elvis to remember, you know, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I, and, and to be honest with you, man, like, I'm actually not really a big Animal House fan. Uh, I, I've seen it a few times. I, there's a million comedies I would rather watch over Animal House, to be truthful with you. I, yeah. I, it's it's uh, someone, someone said it on another, either on a documentary or an interview or something, that the Animal House and, like, the National Lampoon guys – oh, I th- it might have been Jon Stewart, actually, uh, talking about privilege – that these mm. you know these these rich Harvard kids are like making jokes and laughing at their own jokes kind of thing. Yeah. They, and 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 then they go on to have these like very successful careers because of where they came from, you know. Meanwhile, mm. dudes like Eddie Murphy got to like work their way up and and scrape and get to where they're at. And so it's interesting cuz I look I looked it up. There's a there's a it's kind of almost like a rough sequel to Animal House called Up the Creek with Tim Matheson. It is a mm-hmm. piece of shit. It's it's it is it is dog. It is maggot infested dog shit. It's terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Did, and, and it's got like a lot of same actors from Animal House and like Porky's and shit like that. And this, the the jokes are just so dumb. It's like everything's just, you know, these like one liners and it's just I don't know. It's an, it's it's not my kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you, dude. Um, although I I did find the movie. Uh, the one. Did you see it with Will Forte? Uh, called a uh, was it a, a stupid and pointless gesture or something like that? But it was basically about the. the oh um, yeah, National yeah, Lampoon's. I, I saw on, it was like a Netflix movie, kind of like yeah. a like a docudrama. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I liked it. I actually liked it. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. They were all Harvard guys, you know. Yeah, I liked it too. I appreciated that they. It looks like they scraped once they, you know. But I, I think there's a little left out there. They think they look oh, like I'm they sure. all came from money. They weren't. They weren't hurt. Yeah, you know. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, Beaks kind of gets into his, like his passenger car, you know, where he's gonna go. We see Jim Belushi kind of getting drunk in the bar. Uh, we cut to outside Al Franken and another guy. Do you know who the other guy that Al Franken was with is? Yeah, because that guy's also his name's Tom Davis. He's also from Saturday Night Live. Uh, I I mean, I told Myra I go Al Franken's a, a, an SNL writer guy. Um, I suspected that other guy was an SNL writer too, yeah. or, or an SNL guy. I was going to ask you if you recognize the guys that they are talking to, like the station master who's like instructing them oh about the gorilla in the cage yeah. and everything he's yeah. like a bald guy or something i did not recognize him who was he so he's from airplane one and two he's the the guy who would always like have the little one-liners uh when um when um jeff bridge's dad uh you know who's who he, he's like uh you know give me striker you know and he's like you know i i uh or and then striker's like you know i i'm a I'm not an airline pilot, and all of a sudden this guy will come in. I'm a Sagittarius. That guy, you know, is what I'm that talking the guy? About? The, yeah, the like yeah, the, he yeah, would always have little one-liners. Uh, his yeah. name's Steven Stucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, okay. I'm like, I know that guy. Oh yeah, 
because he's totally unrecognizable in this. But that's but people who know him from Airplane would be like, oh yeah, that guy's hilarious. I'm a Sagittarius, <laughs> and it's it's and I feel like now like this one thing in Trading Places, the the gorilla thing, it's such like a an early '80s comedy trope to have some yeah. really fucking extravagantly weird set piece, you know, in it. Um, yeah. I, it feels it doesn't feel like realistic, whereas. Not that the rest of the movie was realistic, but it, it feels a lot more fantastical that they would be transporting this gorilla. And you know what I mean? It, well, it, it's, it's a lot of, of pieces at once. It's a lot of different pieces right. at once moving. And then also right. on top yeah. of it, like what what uh, they all do in a, in a minute, that all dressing up, like it, it seems kind of forced. It's all of a sudden in just on this train sequence – there is so many like comedic tropes in this sequence that yeah. it feels like this one sequence they just jam packed everything they wanted to sort of put in the like what uh, what comedy stuff are we leaving out? Just throw it into the train sequence. It almost feels like the train sequence is a different movie, but but not because it's still a, yeah. like what they do and everything is still a part of it. But tonally, it almost feels different. Yeah, because the like to get Coleman to do what he does. And you're like, wait, this guy was, was like their, their, uh, you know, servant or whatever. And like, now he's doing this and yeah. Yeah. And, and for, and for, and for, uh, Winthrop, Winthorpe to be like that over the top to go from, you know, yeah, it's, I, look, I love it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get, I, I still think it's hilarious, but it definitely is a little far fetched because suddenly you're like ma- dramatically turning left. We already know uh, Billy Valentine can put on a character and be somebody else because he already did that from the beginning of the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis can do that too because she's, you know, that's what she does in her life. She role plays, right? But okay, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's still, it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent with you, buddy. Um, everything we said about it being weird and sort of like doesn't kind of fit. I still love it. I still yeah. love the the train sequence. I think it's still fun. It's just yeah. when you think about it, you're like, man, this one's a little bit over the top. And like yes. you said, there's a lot of stuff because now they're introducing like these these characters that they're all doing. So in the car where Beeks is. Uh, Eddie Murphy rolls in with the famous line that a lot of people like to say on New Year's or at least post the picture on Facebook, but it's him saying, Merry New Year's. And he he basically (laughs) plays an exchange student from Cameroon, you know, and uh, he's having fun with it. And then uh, uh, Coleman walks in and he's playing, he's acting like a priest. And then Ophelia walks in and she's pretending to be from Sweden, but she's wearing, well, like Coleman goes, you're from Austria? She's like, I am from Sweden. He's like, but you're wearing Austrian leader hosen. She's like, da, from Sweden. So I there's like, a reason. I, I wouldn't know. Th- there's a reason <laughs> no. for that, apparently, because she couldn't get the Austrian accent down. So they're like, I'll just do a Swedish accent and we'll make a joke about it. Honestly, I think it works. I think it it's, totally I thought works. it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. You know. And also, it's funny that Beeks is reading a book by G. Gordon and Liddy. And G. Gordon Liddy's oh. the guy that broke into, uh, you know, the Watergate Tower. Mm-hmm. So, and he's kind of like a water, you know, he's a he's a deep throat ish kind of character. Beaks. Yeah, and then he went on to to be like a, a personality and have like a radio show, like Howard Stern and everything. Yeah, but yeah he's he, yeah. 
he's a douche. Like he, uh, <laughs> I think he's one of those guys again that profited off of doing something criminal, you know, and and yeah. like, and he became a personality. He had yeah, a talk show like, um, yeah, a little like Howard Stern, more like who's the guy from Fox that Rush pervert, Limbaugh or whatever who had yeah like a Rush Limbaugh kind of guy. Uh, yeah, and and I think he's been he was in a few movies. Um, man, my stepdad loved listening to G Gordon Liddy. The voice, you know the what? voice of reason, G. Gordon Liddy, or something like that. You know what's funny? My stepdad loved listening to G. Gordon Liddy. Maybe it's maybe G. Gordon Liddy's a stepdad thing. Maybe. I, yeah, I think it is. Because my stepdad was always like, I just like to hear the differing opinions. I'm like, oh, okay. Even if they drive you up the well, wall. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's sure. good for him. I mean, that's a that's actually a good thing. You know, listen to, you should. I mean, everyone should actually listen to, to both sides. So you should, I think you my stepdad was just listening because he liked G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck my stepdad. So, all right. <laughs> fuck off, stepdad. Oh, you know what I would, you know what I would say to that? I'd say I'm going to rip out your eyes and piss on your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude yeah dude we'll, we'll, fucking weirdo <laughs> fucking beast, man. Um, so but ophelia of course like like she's like can you help me put my bags up you know and and she of course she puts his, her boobs in his face yeah. and he's like okay so beaks puts her bags um into the overhead compartment while uh valentine uh swaps briefcases uh from beaks so Be- beaks has his briefcase that's going to have all the you know the agricultural reports and everything he has that on him and yep. they they kind of do a little swaparoo do a little switcheroo if you will and um so that's that's why she's why he's putting that away and then uh valentine kind of goes out and out, leaves the car and uh goes to the bathroom and t- and hands it to somebody in the bathroom do you, you don't see who he hands it to in the bathroom but it's it's winthorpe yeah um because because <laughs> valentine goes back into the car and then winthorpe walks in in blackface so yeah um, the N word earlier, and now we have Dan Aykroyd in blackface. Yeah, I, you can. It's. I mean, it's. It's funny. What he's doing is funny. I. You know. Eh, it's it, not good to do blackface. No, and you know, I'm sure there's people on one side who are like, well, yeah, but Eddie Murphy's in it, so that makes it okay. No, it, it doesn't make it okay. It's still horrible. Um, yeah, and he's a bad. It's a bad stereotype. Yeah, uh, you know, look, yeah, it's one of those moments where you shrug your shoulders and go, that was the 80s. And again, like I said in the beginning of this our episode, this is way before the woke period. This is when if you go back to 1983, for those of us that were alive and aware back then, this was really kind of normal. Like, you know, shit, Gene Wilder yeah. did blackface in Silver Streak with Richard Pryor. Where Richard Pryor's like, we're gonna make you learn to speak jive, and he puts shoe polish on his face, puts his hat on his head, and and like gives him a how, teaches him how to be black, and you're like, oh, that's really fucked up, you know. But that was contextually back then, it was accepted. And I'm not saying it's right; it just was accepted. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so you don't. You go. I, 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 I mean, you have to think or hope that you know dan Aykroyd and and eddie murphy you know had a conversation about it and were okay with it i guess i I hope i i hope i don't i hope eddie murphy wasn't like sort of like 
I hope it wasn't one of those situations where it's like I can't say anything because I'm going to lose my job, you know, type of thing. I I don't know, man. It's not good either way. That's that's all there is to it. it it's in the movie, yeah. but it it's not good. It's not. I mean, but but the scene itself is funny. Yeah. But that aspect of it is is not the best. And look, before um, anyone else harps on us by saying like, "Oh, come on, guys, what's the big deal?" Think about it. Just just read a book or read a read a current blog <laughs> because yeah. that that'll explain why done <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna go uh, any deeper than that no 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 it's it's <laughs> it's not right it's just not right so yeah dude um but it happened it's a thing that happens in this movie and uh you know we we we're gonna address it the best we can as 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 to you know uh white males in the in their 40s so <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah pa- two guys that are t- could potentially be part of the problem so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> oh goodness so um Ophelia asks Beeks to get her bag again because she wants to like celebrate or whatever and, and you know but like so so uh, Winthorpe is is now putting is taking his the bag and, and briefcase and putting it kind of swapping it back because he took yeah. what he needed out of it but he wants Beeks to have his you know the briefcase back so he's not suspecting it but Beeks sees it happening while he's grabbing the bag so so you know the jig is up um, and he pulls out a gun. You know, and, and, and everyone's like, oh, shit, you know. Uh, Beak grabs Ophelia. Kind of, he's kind of pointing the gun at her. He's like, tells them to, to start walking. They head through the train. Um, as they're going through the train, they get to the, the party car, you know, and they're kind of making their way through the party. And, of course, Jim Belushi's there. He's hitting on some girl and everything. Yeah. And uh, and he tries to hit on Ophelia. And then fucking, of course, Beeks basically tells him to fuck off. He didn't say yeah. fuck off. But he basically tells him to fuck off. But uh, uh, Gorilla, I call him, at this point, I just call him Gorilla Belushi, uh, yeah. follows them. And uh, so they go into the car with the gorilla because it's kind of like the baggage car, you know. Yeah. And Beeks' back is kind of to the gorilla at this point his gun is sort of like pointing at them at, at the three of them and he says the party's over but, but gorilla B- belushi is kind of coming through the door at the same time and he's like what do you mean the party's over he's like it's not even it's like it's not even 10 o'clock and he of course he looks at his like his wrist that's just like you know nothing's there <laughs> and uh he's like he's like it's 10 o'clock what do you mean the party's over um but uh, but Beaks kind of knocks him out with the butt of his gun, and uh, but the gorilla does not like that, and because the gorilla kind of uh, they're already peppering in the gorilla has like the hots for for the Belushi gorilla, I guess, yeah. and um, <laughs> bops Beaks on the head, knocks Beaks out, and everyone's like sort of standing there like, oh, I guess that worked out type of thing, you know, and. Uh, Kind of like do like a little you know dissolve type of thing and and uh, the gang is kind of Beaks is knocked out but he's he's in the gorilla suit now and they're they're putting the like duct tape around his mouth and then they put the the costume hat on his head so he's got duct tape around his mouth but he's got the the costume helmet on top of it and then and Belushi's just sitting there in his underwear just like slumped over yeah because he's out yeah I and and I have to I have to just say really quick right before this happened. Because I, I said it a little bit earlier, but I just had to uh, quote the bit of dial. My favorite bit of dialogue from this movie, from Beaks, is when when Beaks does find out that they've been doing the switcheroo and he gets all pissed off, 
and he's and he he says quote i'm gonna rip out your eyes and piss on your brain and he's like you fucking weirdos (laughs) don't do anything stupid or the whore loses a kidney (laughs) i'm like damn dude He's hardcore man fucking i love it dude rip out your eyeballs and piss on your brain dude. don't do anything <laughs> stupid or the whore loses a kidney uh yeah yeah so anyways he got his comeuppance pop pop yeah yeah <laughs> um so so at this point they they beaks is you know they put beaks back in with the gorilla they put him in with the real gorilla and uh i love there's a shot where belushi walks back into the party but he's just wearing his like his underwear and he goes hey everybody look what happened to me and everyone like cheers <laughs> so great it's so great <laughs> i like that i thought that was funny yeah i love it uh we we uh we cut to the parking garage uh the dukes kind of pull up in their car to go meet beaks and we see somebody who is pretending to be beaks but we don't know who it is kind of step out of the shadows and kind of tells him like don't go any further and uh slide the briefcase over so they slide the briefcase with the money he throws them the the crop reports or what they you know what they think is the accurate crop reports and uh they're like thanks beaks happy new year's because they're fucking idiots and then you know we see kind of really quick that uh, it's it's actually Eddie Murphy. He was just kind of wearing you know an outfit and sort of like in the in you know in the, in shadows type of thing. Very, yep. That was that's very deep throat esque right there. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, now we cut to the train station and Ophelia Coleman and uh, Winthorpe and Valentine. <laughs> they're all they're not in their costumes anymore. They're all in their regular clothes and and they all like they're all staying there together. Um, basically it's like, it's about to, it's time to enact their plan. Coleman gives, uh, um, Valentine, you know, like, a it's like, this is my life savings or whatever. Uh, please be careful, whatever. And, and Valentine's like, well, you know, this time tomorrow or whatever, you, you'll be the richest butler in town, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It's and, funny. Cause again, you're going talking about Coleman's acting, uh, that in that scene where you're like, this guy's about, he's, this is really serious. He's giving his, they're both giving their life fortune over to them, hoping that they don't fuck it up. Don't fuck this up, Mitchell. <laughs> don't fuck this up. Um, same thing. Like you said, Ophelia too. She, she gave her life savings over the, probably the whole 42 grand, you know, that she had or, or whatever. Um, and then uh, kind of Winthorpe and, and uh, Ophelia have a nice tender little kiss. And I, yeah. I do like how Ophelia takes her gum out. It hands it to, to Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> so Coleman's holding the gum as, as they're kissing. And then uh, Ophelia kind of takes the gum <laughs> back. You know, I always her. thought about that. I, I never did that shit, man. I always tuck it in the back of my cheek. I was just like, because I, I was going to save it for later. <laughs> right well she did save her for later she yeah, just, I guess so. you know uh, she gave it to the butler <laughs> that's what butlers do yeah, they exactly. hold your shit <laughs> yeah and so uh <laughs> so winthorpe and uh um valentine I, so right now are they in new york because they have to get back on the train right to get to i guess downtown or something but they have to get back on the train um and i'm assuming uh, they're in new york at this point i thought so too but then they were like going down the elevator and i think i swear to god they said something about the train was leaving soon so i thought they were in penn station right there but then maybe they still have to take another train to get down to uh the the trade center i don't know to be truthful with you i don't know i think i think that's yeah i think they they got it they yeah it's kind of weird it's disjointed but yeah i I think they had they were at penn station they had to go 
to what is that Manhattan? Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah, because so gotta... I don't actually know how close Penn Station is to uh, the you know Trade Center or anything like that. They got to take the L train to the A train to the G train, <laughs> and then go on the. Uh... Oh, sorry, that's a wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling fun oh, fact. I, know, I know that reference. I get yeah, that reference. You know that Godfather. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I actually do. <laughs> and I don't know anything about wrestling, but I've had so many wrestling friends in my life that I've, through osmosis, learned about wrestling. Well, you know, uh, uh, they've had to sanitize that shit. They can't call him the God. They can't call it the Ho Train anymore. They're just gonna take it on the train or whatever. I'm like, come on, <laughs> really? Course. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Welcome to the world, man. Welcome to the world. And I did like the little moment that that uh, Coleman and Ophelia had, where yeah, you know sweet. they kind of go grab a drink together. Yeah, it's very. It's there's some sweet moments in this movie for sure. Um, we kind of get uh, both sort of. We see when uh, we see the Dukes roll up to the tr- uh, the World Trade Center. They they get out of the car and everything, and then we see Winthorpe and Valentine roll up in a taxi. And right now, like like. Winthorpe is in his element and he's yeah. telling Valentine like like what to expect in there. It's a madhouse. So, you know, what is you you buy low, sell high, you know, fear is is, is the other guy's problem and it's it's really cutthroat. And he says this is the last, you know, place of just pure the last bastion of pure capitalism is right here and it's just, you know, pure chaos at this in there. I uh, apparently Eddie Murphy like had no idea what you know, commodity exchange was or any of this stuff. So he like stuck straight to the script, like super tight because yeah. he had no idea what was going on. He, f- he found everything very confusing. <laughs> uh, well, Eddie Murphy, I, all I would say is a Jaffiel, my friend. Yeah, Jaffiel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I was telling Myra, it's like, it's like King of New York. I'm like, I was like, I don't really understand what the, the thing is, you know, like, because I don't, know how to move drugs and in this movie i don't know anything about stocks and bonds so i'm like so so it i really rewound it a lot this second time watching it trying to like you know follow it and 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 see what was going on so if i get anything wrong please 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 correct me um i i I hope i kind of figured it out I'll, i'll do the best i can um, guys, I'm not from Harvard, so I'm, I am uncultured swine. So, <laughs> uh, so inside the the Duke's office, they tell this guy to keep buying orange stocks, no matter what, even if the price is going up. So, yeah. so they know something is up. And he goes, uh, you know, but the crop report will be out soon. What if? And they say they kind of cut him off. Like, let us worry about that. So. Before the crop report comes out, they're telling him to just keep buying, keep buying. Don't worry, don't worry. You know, Winthorpe and Valentine, they, I love how they walk in with a purpose while everyone else is just frantic, you know? Yeah. And I do enjoy Winthorpe sort of explaining how everything works. It's kind of like the, the casino aspect, uh, the casino, the movie, where like the beginning of the movie, they kind of walk you through everything, how everything works. I, I like that kind of stuff. So he's like yeah. down there. That's the, that, those are the runners. Those are the people who take the, the, the orders. They have to give the orders to that guy down there who's buying it, you know, and it all just looks very crazy, you know? Well, they, they, they're cocky because they know what's up. They already know, like, they know what they got to do. 
And of course, because like even in in the bathroom where everyone like I love how there's like two guys talking. They're like, yeah, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. The other guy's got something else because they're all super stressed and just yeah, all always. of them have fucking ulcers. Yeah. You know, this is like, yeah, I, I these guys, I guarantee a lot of them died in their 40s and oh, their yeah. 50s, like real young, you know, because it's a it's a high stress oh, yeah, jumping thing. out windows, shit like that. Yep. But but while everyone else is frantic. Winthorpe and Valentine are very cool, and they have a purpose, which yep. is very apparent. So once 9 a.m. hits, the whole floor explodes, and people are just buying. The price it was – I noticed that the price of the orange juice was like around uh, – uh, uh, I think it was like 142 or something like that. And uh, so – or it keeps going up, keeps going up, keeps going up. And once it hits 142, uh, Valentine and Winthorpe, they start selling, right? Yep. And so – they're selling it and they're so they're making money when it's when it's at 142 other people see that the dukes are there they're like oh my god the dukes are trying to corner the market things are getting frantic but then the dukes see that 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 the price starts 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 dropping they start running down there to tell their man to sell to sell you know all their money's kind of wrapped up in that stock uh and then all of a sudden the secretary of agriculture comes on the news the whole entire floor stops he reads the crop report the real crop report and he says that the winter has not affected the prices the, the the orange crop and the harvest and and basically the the dukes were expecting to not have a good crop and thus the 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 price of of oranges were going to keep going up but Winthorpe and Val know the real reason once this the, that comes out the price starts dropping right so yep. everyone wants to sell their shit but of course that one guy thinks okay just keep buying that's what they that's what uh you know I think he, he says so the Duke's running down there telling them to sell because the price is dropping but now uh, Valentine and Winthorpe are, are buying it up because it's like fucking $42 uh, it was earlier like 142 now it's like 27 or something like that yep. and so now they they're buying them back from people. So why were so they make a bunch of money by selling it when it's at 142, right? Then they buy it back from people when it's at like 20 something. But now they're still sitting on those stocks because eventually, I guess what, the orange stock will be good, right? But right now it's only worth like 20. I don't quite understand, I think. I, I mean, at this point I'm just like they're winning. The Dukes are losing. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I, someone I don't know. could explain this. I have no this. idea. What I like, my takeaway from it all is that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, the Dukes have spent so much money buying the stocks and now they're buying it for lower. Basically. Yeah. They're ruined. And, and Winthorpe and, and Val or Valentine, um, you know, they they're kind of this they're winning right now this is yeah. this is them winning this is the climax you know they're they're having a good time right now and the dukes they try to sell but they can't because their guy like gets knocked out and they're right. like wow what's going on you know he gets <laughs> carried out i love that oh man i love that uh, and they finally <clears throat> 
And they finally see, you know, Valentine and Winthorpe in there. And they're like, Valentine, how could you do this to us? And Valentine's like, I made a bet with Winthorpe that we could get rich and uh, put you put you two in the poorhouse. And, and Winthorpe's like, I guess I lost. And he hands Valentine a $1 bill. I love and it. I, I, fucking, I love it. I know. The, the Dukes are financially ruined uh, at the, with just totally decimated they put all of their money in that yeah. because they thought they had a surefire bet because they thought they had basically insider trading right yeah. that's that's insider trading yeah that's what and even though yeah. and even though winthorpe and valentine won they technically did it illegally through insider trading yeah as well but oh well they still they still beat them but I, but they uh, but they, fucking, they, were, they were doing it to like basically close that company shut that company down Duke and yeah. Duke. Yeah. Duke and Duke. Um, so, <laughs> and then fucking the, the, the judge kind of comes up to the, to the, the, the two Dukes and then, you know, talks about yeah. how like um, the, your, everything needs to be paid in full by the end I of the day. It. The Dukes are like, someone, a Duke has been on the, the stock exchange since its inception. This is ours, ours. Mortimer's like yelling, fucking R- Randolph fucking has a heart attack. And yeah. even like the judge is like, Mortimer, your brother. <laughs> Mortimer goes, fuck him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Morte, so fuck so him! It's so good, so, it's so good. great. So uh, they're over. They're they're ruined. They're ruined. And uh, so cut cut to um cut to two guys loading two gorillas onto a boat back to back to Africa, and they're like, "Hey, isn't it only supposed to be one gorilla?" And the other guy's like, "Ah, who cares? He looks happy." And they're like, "Wait, isn't that black gorilla the female?" And of course, the black one is is uh, is Beaks, yep. um, and he's like, and he has his, his eyes get wise. Did you recognize one of those two guys at the at handling the, the the crates or whatever? No, I didn't, but I know you did. It was steel from day of the dead the the kind of the big jerky sort of soldier um oh, the one yeah. that eventually gets gets trapped and then shoots his own brains out um yes. that was him that was he was one of the two two guys right there yeah that dude's been in i've seen that guy before in other yeah. things yeah besides day of the dead but yeah totally yeah nice nice yeah and i was like hey that guy i mean i only know that him from guy. day of the dead yeah, that fucking guy. He was the biggest asshole. Well, next to Rhodes. Rhodes was the biggest asshole yes, on Day of the Dead. Of fucking love that movie, dude. That's know, my favorite I, Ramiro I, zombie movie. I love movie. that movie, too. And then finally, <laughs> finally, we get the uh, the <laughs> the scene that clearly The Adventures of Ford Fairlane was uh, referencing at the end with, with everyone sort Big of time. sitting there. Yeah, and, and I didn't put it together until I was watching this and how, like, Winthorpe is kind of like, you know, looking good, you know, Billy Ray. And Billy Ray is like, feeling good, Winthorpe. And then uh, I think um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis kind of blows a kiss at, at Dan Aykroyd. You know, it's it's very – it I. I guarantee you that they were sort of referencing that at the end of, of Fort Oh, Maryland. yeah, clearly had to have some. Yeah, there. I mean, there, this beautiful tropical island, and and Coleman is like, you know, the the guy comes up and uh, the Mater D asks what whether they want the crab or whatever the other choice is, and uh, and they and he says we'll have both, and the guy's like, oh, good choice. Like everyone's everyone's rich, everyone's happy, and everyone yep. goes home. Slappy yep. dappy, except except for the Duke brothers. Yes, the Duke so. the Duke boys are <laughs> destitute. 
<laughs> they are destitute, and and we we see them in a little cameo in in coming to America, that's where right. they and, and they play themselves, but as homeless people. So that's that's funny. Yeah, but. I do love uh, the credits in this. The where I love credits where they show outtakes from scenes. So like they'll show like Dan Aykroyd, but it's him doing the mugshot scene. But then he's kind of like laughing. I love uh, I love when they show people the sh- uh, like I love with outtakes when during the credits. I love that kind of shit. Well, it's isn't it funny that this is the second movie we've seen watched now back to back where the credits. Uh, th- th- like they they the end credits they sh- they sh- they profiled the actors and they show pictures of them at the end or whatever yeah like, oh because yeah. they did that with strange behavior you know so uh mm-hmm. that's I, I love that shit I, yeah they did th- this and predator have two of my favorite end credit scenes you know yeah dude i i miss that dude i love that shit i wish more people would would do that i, I i'm with you man i love the credits in predator where everyone kind of looks at the camera and smiles yeah, oh, man, it's like it gets me in all the feels because I'm like, oh, they killed all those cool characters off. <laughs> I've, I've love so, hate with that movie because as much as I love it, I'm like, but but you you killed off so many cool characters. Oh, they'll I, never come back. I know, and it, it almost makes you want to like like either read comic books or, or play a video game of them like before the Predator encounter, so yeah. you could just like get them all back together or something. Yeah. that would actually be really cool. Make a make a, a video game, but it's Dutch's team, no Predator whatsoever. Just make it a straight up like action game, you know, and yeah. then just have everyone in it, Billy and Ponch and everybody, have it a prequel to to Predator. Call it the because uh, what are they? They're like gorillas, right? So or like not, not uh, mercenaries. Call it They're the mercenary mercenary files, you know. Or, or or just call it Operation Wolf because that's pretty much what that game was. Yes, that's you remember true, that true. game, that arcade oh, love, game. Love that game. Yeah, love that. Game. Nah, me too. Yeah. So, buddy, trading places, man. What uh, what'd you think? I mean, I loved it, dude. It's it's great. It's a great movie. It's 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 a great comedy. It's so it's fun. It's funny. It's topical. It has a great message. It's somewhat lighthearted so you know again contextually you gotta let certain things go uh and there's moments where you're just like oh, okay that went on a little long like it's it's a two hour long comedy yeah that's always been a hard thing for me to kind of stomach because i feel like there's just scenes that could be trimmed and cut uh, that's why you rarely see directors cut comedies from the 80s because there's like they cut everything to make the jokes tight. Yeah. 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 There, there's little things here and there you could trim up, but no man, it's, it's fun. And it's a, it's a Christmas movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can be like, Oh, let's watch a Christmas movie tonight. Trading places. So yeah, dude, I enjoyed it. And I'm glad you chose it. It was a trip down memory lane for me to uh, revisit it. Cause I hadn't watched it in like 10 years. Good stuff, dude. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I have to kind of reiterate everything you said. I, I feel the same way. Um, it has some problematic parts. Yeah. Um, I am concerned that it will be pulled from streaming for uh, the problematic parts at some point. Um, I do not believe in censoring all, uh, art based on, on time and everything. I, I yeah. do feel that, that uh, Disney Plus you know should 
have you know song of the south on there but i think that maybe um you should put maybe a, a documentary like also make a documentary talking about like just why it happened don't like explain like, don't make it go away like yeah. because then it becomes taboo and then it becomes exciting make it there and then make a documentary that kids can like watch and be like here's why the song of the south was made it at the time that it was why is it wrong why it, you know but you know something like that here same thing it's like the blackface is problematic. It was. It's never been a good idea. But I don't want to see the movie like taken away because of it. You know. Well, I and I put a disclaimer at the beginning. Then, like, don't don't censor things. Like, yeah, you know, don't drop don't drop uh, Huckleberry Finn because it's got it's it's all contextual, man. Like, we learned from this shit. It's not like a history book that tell tells you Columbus discovered america where it's just flat out lies these are important things to recognize why was this okay then and it's not okay now like Mm -hmm. that's a better way to handle these things versus saying oh well we're just not going to talk about it anymore because guess what when you do that in any dysfunctional relationship or family that shit festers and explodes again Mm -hmm. you can't just whitewash it you know you can't just like cut it all out Taking the fucking uh, Confederate flag off the General Lee, yeah, I get it. It's it, the Confederate flag is horribly offensive and fucked up, but like, like then they talk about that, you know? Like you said, make mm-hmm. a make a documentary, put a disclaimer. You know, some scenes yeah. might be offensive, even if it's a comedy, you know. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a parent thing, it's a teacher thing, and so you'd probably get it better than me. But make it a teaching moment, right? Yeah. Like like you know, don't. If it goes away, if it disappears, you can't talk about it anymore. But if it's no. there, you can you can discuss it. And you can teach. You can open people's eyes, you know? Yeah, it, just exactly. because it exists doesn't mean it's going to, you know, force you to all of a sudden say, oh, that's that's correct. No, it, it, you can still have something exist and, yeah. and discuss it and, and have things, like in this movie, have things work. Like... It's yeah. The blackface is problematic. The you know Mortimer Morte dropping the N word is is not good. That's not a good thing. But yeah. it was important at that time. You know, it, it's for for the N word part. It was a character thing, right? Yes. Like you know, maybe they shouldn't have gone with the blackface, but okay, whatever. It, it's it's in here. It's here now, right? Yeah. So don't censor it. I don't ever believe in censoring art. Um. So that's but yeah. Aside from that, man. I think it's a great fucking movie. And like I, you said, it it it's it's important. Like it actually the, what it's trying to say is just as important now as it was then. I agree. And I I hope that this movie had a positive effect on somebody back in the day and that it, you know, maybe opened somebody's eyes and everything to to something uh, <clears throat> not just have it be you know, a comedy film, but actually have it be something that's, it's, it's a comedy that's actually really, really, really trying to make some social change, you know? And, and, and man, you don't, you don't see that much because you don't see it handled this well. And the fact that it's, you still feel like it's a comedy. It doesn't feel like a movie that's preaching to you. That's also funny. It feels like a comedy that just happens to have this moral like compass to it. I, I totally agree. And Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking bonkers hot. So, I mean, there's that. It's, yeah. (laughs) And fucking Beaks, man. Fuck off, dude. I love Beaks. He's a fantastic villain. Everyone just nailed their roles. This movie's awesome. If you haven't seen it, I... 
highly recommend everyone watch it. Um, I loved it. For what it's worth, my wife loved it. Um, you know, you loved it. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely, you know, it's funny because I, I, I've, I've watched it twice now in, in the past week, but I probably haven't seen it like in years. It is, I guarantee you, it is now going to be in my Christmas rotation. Awesome. Like, that's how much I, I loved it watching this. I'm like, cool. This is now, for me, I'm almost looking at it like from a current point of view. I'm like, I, I sort of, you know what? I re-fell in love with this movie, I should say. Yeah, I could see that. You know what else I can see? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. All right. Well, this was a good one, my friend. I loved it. Thank you for uh, thank you for being so flexible with the schedule um, with this episode, guys. Behind the scenes, it was a it's been a shit show for old corn for old sleazy C uh, the, yeah. these past uh, couple weeks. So, Zach, I appreciate you being uh, very very flexible with this, and uh, thank you for staying up uh, so late recording this with me. Totally. Um, where else out there in the podcasting world can we find you? My oh, oi, boy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's the best place to, to track me down. Instagram at, uh, at Zach Schaefer, or you can find me on my alternate podcast, the, uh, the, the light side to the podcast, the light <laughs> podcasting after dark, uh, $2 late fee. And that is on Instagram as well, or $2 late fee.com. That's where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter as well. Uh, at Zach Schaefer and $2 late fee.com. <laughs> Corey, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at yeah, yeah. You can find me every week talking about Seinfeld with our with our pal Adam on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And uh, you know, you can find me all over the the BFOP network uh, here and there, doing little guest spots and whatnot. But make sure you check out everybody, uh, all the other podcasts on the network: OCD, um, Talking Back. Blast from our past, why this film, our, our little nostalgic network is growing, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, make sure, of course, follow us on Instagram. We are most active on Instagram, and that's Podcasting After Dark. Yeah. Facebook, of course, follow us there, although I don't really post much because fuck Facebook, guys. That thing is is worthless. Um, so Instagram is where, where we are most active. And uh, if you like what we do, well, you're kind of only getting half of uh, what we do here on on the free feeds the other half is over on our patreon page zach what we got over there buddy oh man i mean it, it's a it's a cornucopia of 80s and 90s actors and directors and writers and whatnot and modern people too stephen jeffries evil ed from fright night uh tom matthews from return of the living dead uh we just interviewed stephen kostansky who had directed the void one half of the of the direction of the void and the upcoming psycho gorman uh mm-hmm. which looks phenomenal and mm-hmm. then we've got an upcoming interview with uh tom holland which the director of fright night not the spider-man actor oh my god no it's look up when tom i tag uh, when i put the when i put the tom holland tag on there i got a lot of people looking for uh spider-man uh- yeah i mean oh, that it's all good it's all good we love you all yeah but but come on tom yeah. holland if you're a fan of 80s you should know who tom holland is child's yeah. play fright night uh cloak and dagger class of 1984 and by the time you're listening to this 
Um, the the Tom Holland interview will be dropping relatively soon. It's it's this month. So yes. uh, if you're on Patreon, you'll you'll listen to that. Our entire interview series can be found there under the interviews after dark tier, and then we also have our monthly like freeform discussion show called Wrap Up After Dark, and yep. uh, and we also offer uh, early access to our episodes as well as ad free versions of our episodes, and we have uh, exclusive unboxing reveal videos so whenever zach and i basically reveal the next movie that we're gonna be reviewing we do it uh, via fun little video uh, on on the on patreon so we got a lot of stuff over there guys uh we're gonna be releasing uh, a one-year anniversary uh poster art this week that you're listening to this right now it'll be coming this week and uh you know uh we're gonna put out the full-size image on on our Patreon feed. So if you're there, you can download that and print it if you want to, whatever you want to do with it. So, yeah, guys. And, uh, of course, all proceeds go to helping the show grow. Um, we, you know, to our patrons, uh, we use the money that, that they gave us to put towards that uh poster to you know the commission for it so we just put it we put the money right back into it so we appreciate all the love and support you guys give us but uh, a free way you know to to support the show is to also leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts which is still you know kind of the the only podcatcher that sort of uses reviews to have people find us but it's still one of the main podcatchers out there so man we we've got like i think 45 star reviews right now so that's pretty awesome yeah man. thank I, you I, I, everybody I'm, people love us Thank you for all the yeah. people that have already supported us. And for all you new listeners, thank you for checking us out. That's right. So thank you guys so much for the love. We appreciate every bit of it. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this extra long episode of Trading Places. <laughs> and we'll see, <laughs> we'll see you guys soon with another fun retro film. Another fun little, uh, ooh, we got a good one. Next one's going to be a good one, guys. Trust oh, me. It's going to be gonna, a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's it, whether, it, whether the movie's good or not is up for debate. Uh, but it's going to be fun, nevertheless, it's, to review. It's a... It's a movie that I've been wanting to see for so long, but I never have because it's hard to find. And when it was more readily available when I was a kid, I was too scared to watch it. So yeah. I am beyond excited to have this gap in my uh, my knowledge filled. And uh, I also have to say that the movie after that, Zach doesn't know what it is yet, but it's a fun one too, guys. So we got some good shit coming, and, uh, and, and this month is our one-year anniversary. So thank you all for for the support for this yeah, year. Thank you. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Oh,
la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Thank you.